Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in. This is episode number 12 of Whipcast. Um, this episode is basically three whip makers who are also bros uh, sitting down and having a conversation. The, the, there really was no outline whatsoever to this podcast and uh, didn't really have time to put one together and we figured we would do something different. And this is literally a conversation. There's no structure to this this Whipcast. Uh, so it's kind of going to be something different. Um, but it was fun. Uh, I sat down with my friend Steve Townsend and Blake Bruning. We were over at Blake Bruning's house working on some kangaroo hide whips. If you guys know my work, uh, you are very well aware that I am uh, not a, I'm not naturally a kangaroo hide whip maker. I specialize in nylon. I started with nylon. Every now and then I'll make a kangaroo hide whip, but... Uh, I've got a long way to go before I can make a product that I'm really confident about. So these two guys have made kangaroo hide whips all their all their whip making careers uh, have been kangaroo, with the exception of a couple nylon and vinyl whips. Um, so they're kind of teaching me still. They're they're giving me some different tips because the way a kangaroo hide whip is made is very different from the way a nylon whip is made. It's a lot more work, and there's different plating techniques. Um, that differ quite a, quite a bit from uh, nylon. So these two guys uh, over the weekend were giving me a bunch of tips, helping me uh, plat some kangaroo. And uh, this is just a conversation talking about the, the our experiences, our careers, whip making. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode of Whipcast. Blake Bruning, Steve Townsend, and myself. How you guys doing? I'm good. We're here. We are here. It's been a good day. I've uh, not been doing very well playing kangaroo high. But, uh, no, I thought you did great. You guys are Fantastic good. job, man. Good. Appreciate your help. Fantastic job. Yeah. An order of uh, how many? Uh, ten on this, lo- this oh. one, yeah. yeah. Pretty good. Uh, very good. How are your hands doing? Well, since you guys helped me braid a couple of them, and I technically didn't braid at all, that was phenomenal for the moment. So my hands are healing up, but yeah, they're they're pretty raw. I, I'm not like destroyed, like cut or yeah. gashed or anything, but they're the muscles on them gave out from like 16 hour days, four days in a row, just trying to get the orders up to this point. Yeah, so I should be good tomorrow. I'll be able to actually start grabbing some strands and braid a couple overlays in a few hours. Yeah, and I found that uh, kangaroo hurts my hands. Much more than nylon does. How so? I don't know. It's it's a deeper pain. I feel like I have to pull the strands much tighter with kangaroo to get the same effect as I would with nylon. Uh, I found the opposite when I used to. You know, the first few uh, whips that I made that weren't vinyl were nylon, mm-hmm. and I always thought that nylon something about the texture of it to me was just so abrasive that it just almost as you pulled and your your hand slid along it, it just scratched you almost. Huh. Or you can, you can get burnt like a rope burn. I've had that happen before, yeah. Mostly when I'm pulling the inner strands out, like if I get paracord that's not already gutted. Augustus Sato, yeah. I think it's how you say the last time, he told me that's yeah. why he quit making nylon, or he made nylon at one point, but he said he pulled back one time on it, like, like Rue, and it, it burnt like a, you know, a whole streak cool. down his fingers, and he says, I never touched nylon again. Yeah. So it wasn't worth it. I always found with nylon that it was, it was just so unforgiving if you... 
if there was even the slightest little deviation as far as my tension. Of course, I, this was when I first started, so you know there were huge deviations in my tension. But they were just unbelievably obvious and not very well, mm-hmm. you know. Whereas with, with uh, especially with leather, after you roll the whip, you know, the difference before and after, I think, it, it, you know, it's noticeable on nylon, but with leather, it's, it seems to me to, to be a more forgiving material than, than nylon. Mm-hmm. You know, the leather, to me, you can have a, a slight deviation in your tension uh, of your pull and not end up with as, as noticeable as, a, you know, of a difference in tension in the whip as it rolls out. Hmm. Yeah, and, and in the leather, though, you know, it's like some people talk about leather and, did you, you know, there, there's, uh, there's at least 50 different ways to tan this stuff. And we'll buy, I'll buy assorted hides for, for us at, like, a Packer if they ever have a good run on something. And, and they say they're all veg tan, and I'll get a lot, but one, they feel all different. Like, and, and some of them are dyed different colors, but still there's a difference feeling where, it, like, I've never, I, like, I, I probably had at least seven, seven, well, I've had at least 10 different kangaroo types of uh, tanning I've dealt with, mm-hmm. but there's no way I could honestly say that that's what that was. Like, that was the aniline tan. That was actual just plain up veg tan. Yeah. You know, like, drum stuff's easy to tell, but, you know, everything's secondly veg tan, uh, in a sense, or drum stuff is veg tan, but, like, some of these others are tan with other stuff. You know, is there aluminum tan? I don't know. They got some weird tannings, and so when you get these really cheap uh, overstock that they have and they sell cheap, sometimes you get some really good ones and then sometimes mm-hmm. you don't. Mm-hmm. And you know, like we've gotten a Falcon Brigade for like $20 one time. It turned out to be the greatest thing in the world. I would have known it would have bought like 100 if they had it. But you know, but it's rare. You know, it's like rare every now and then they just have these surplus and you just catch what you can. Yeah. But like some of them, like, like some kangaroo is so soft and supple and no matter how much you stretch it, there's still a little stretch to it. And some, you know, uh, it, it, it's not that it's brittle. But it's got this weird, stronger, almost like metal wire feel, and that's the one where, like, when you cut it at a bevel, or you don't, let's just say you don't pair it, but you just cut it at a slice. Well, there's like a paper thin edge on the bottom, and sometimes you'll slide your hand back, and just like a paper cut, that thing will slice to you like a knife when yeah, you pull yeah. it wrong. So, you know, it's almost as bad as you know if you grab it on an nylon and just rain your hand down it. You know, like even the kangaroo, the, it'll just cut you though; it won't burn you. So you'll never worry about burns, but you will. It will burn if you're doing stuff enough. It'll rub away to where you will get kind of burnt, like if you're doing a lot of prepping, because as you're running through this leather, it's just like running through the nylon, same thing. But, yeah, you know, yeah. I wouldn't have to worry about grabbing a strand and just sliding my hand down hard and fast with the grip and worry about it really burning me. But I would worry about it slicing me if the, it was the, the first, edge. The first kangaroo skin I ever bought was from Tandy when, when they were still selling it. Mm-hmm. And it was it looked like it had been rolled because there was like a texture on the back. You know what I mean? Like the back, it, it almost looked like it was, you know, synthetic. I don't know what they probably put it through rollers and stuff, but it was so thin. It was strong, but it was so thin, and that actually reminded me. I, I think I can recall nearly cutting myself. It was, became such a sharp edge. Yeah. It reminded me of how thin that skin was, but I didn't really like it. I didn't know what a good kangaroo skin was back then. Steve had some of those. I did. The yeah. first first couple, uh, t- two or three kangaroo whips I made was from from Candy's Candy. Yeah, it's paper thin. And it was really thin stuff, but I, I don't recall ever breaking one of those strands. Yeah. I don't think I ever did. Yeah. And then again, back then, not knowing any more than I did, I didn't cut them very narrow either. Mm-hmm. You know, I can remember trying to resize them with mm-hmm. my, uh, 
Oh, what's it called? The the Aussie Strander. I yeah. Was trying to resize my strand. I did that before. With the Aussie yeah, Strander. I've done the same thing. You know, feeding feeding it in yeah. all the way from the end of the strand and going up to the top and trying to. Yeah. And it was so thin that the gauge wasn't holding it down, and and if the razor wasn't just absolutely sharp. brand new sharp, yes. it would just roll your strand over yep. and push it out of the way. And yep. I'm like, okay, I'm just not going to prep these strands. Yep. I just braided them like they were, you know. I, was, I did the same. I ended up with my thing. first kangaroo whip. It was. Yeah. I actually used a. I used vinyl. I didn't have any cowhide, so I used vinyl mm. for the bolsters. I did have a small piece of scrap leather that I picked up at a leather shop in uh, in uh, Brown County. Mm. Picked up a scrap, a bag full of just scrap pieces of leather. And one of those worked for a core. Mm. Uh, but the bolsters, I do. I didn't have anything long enough for a bolster, so I just used vinyl, man, and it, it uh, I guess you know works to a degree. But um, yeah, you know, I'd like to see that that whip. I don't know, you know, whatever happened to it or who's got it. It, it isn't me, but it'd be neat to see and yeah, cool to track it flashback, down. you know. It's always, yeah. it's always good when, you know, you you know, you get an old whip back and then they want you like, you know, even if it's just replace the ball. Hopefully yeah. that's the only problem with it, but you know. But, uh, you know, it's so nice to see that and you can, it really helps you kind of see where you come. I, I think that's the biggest problem with every profession is that, you know, I was talking to Nick about this earlier about when you're teaching, it's so hard to realize somebody that, that doesn't know anything or what it's like somebody that that just doesn't you know they don't know what it's like to be a first date where it's like you may talk about plat but they don't even know what the word plat is and it's hard to really even understand that so when you try to talk to somebody about something online mm. or through a text message first of all they can't understand your personality or your kindness or whether you're being short with them and you may just type a short answer because it's like dude i'm so stressed with time i'm so ran out it's like i got you know a wife three kids and i'm working two full full-time jobs it's like I try to answer you and know, I might just be like three words real quick. I'm not being short. It's just like I, I answered it in three words. It's just got to right. move on. Like I, I tried my best to answer it, you know, but. <laughs> yeah, speaking of, you know, tracking down whips that you made a long time ago, uh, it was actually last year, I believe, um, someone contacted me. It was, you know, an early customer. I think it was probably the second whip that I ever sold. And he uh, he texted me and said, hey, man, you know, you're, I know you've been making whips for a while now, and I thought it would mean something to you if, if you had your your second whip that you ever that you ever made back in your hands. And I said, "Really, you would do that?" And he sent it back to me. And it was really cool to see, you know, for one, this piece of garbage whip <laughs> that was still terrible back then. But you know, just having that again. So where you got it? Hanging on the wall or what? Uh, it's actually still in my room. I have to put it up. But uh, it's my it's in my bedroom on the nightstand or something. But, right. I need to get get on that, but it's it's so cool to see something that you. you How crackable is it still? Oh, very, very. It's just the transition is just complete. You know, it's it's an all duct tape or not duct tape, but electrical tape and you know nylon, no binding at all. So I mean, it's very, very, very flexible. But Spe- it's still crackable. Speaking of your first whips, Nick, one thing I've been wanting to ask you, I, I think people yeah. love to hear, sure. is uh, when you made your first video. You know, uh, we've talked about why you made it and why I believe you made it. And like I said, I believe you made it for the main reason of you, you told me about this huge process because you couldn't find any information anywhere mm-hmm. on like a video or too many videos or anything even teaching it. So you mm-hmm. searched the Internet and scoured and you kind of made a video based on, well, after all I read and what I think I, you know, I got from this long time, you just mm-hmm. thought, I'm just going to give it to the next person doesn't have to do the same thing like was that kind of still your initial thing like after all you had to search sure. like there's no other there's no way anyone else is going to do what you ridiculously yeah. did yeah so you're just like well here's where i'm at now do better like, yeah was that kind of your approach it, it was it was kind of frustrating can, can you go into detail on what what 
what got you to do it, I believe it was a project or something, and then what you researched and what you had to look for, or tell a lot about how long it took or what you all found and sure. what you got to where what you finally did, or if there's yeah. anything unique about that, because this is the first video, it Was that wasn't the whip you made, was it the first video on how to make whip, was that the first whip you made, or was that... Oh no, I, I had made at least probably 50. 50 at that point? Yeah. So we'll talk about that first one, like what, what was sure. it that you had to look for? Well... The reason I got into whips was because I wanted to capture a photo of the cracker breaking the speed of sound. And I knew that things that break the speed of sound, they bend the light and you can see a shock wave because my dad always told me about that kind of stuff. He was always into science when I was little and he always shared his interest with, with, with me. And uh, just having that science background is what ultimately got me into it. He would teach me about fighter jets and how they would produce an explosion sound when they surpassed a certain speed limit I just thought that was awesome um, so we talked about it more and it became clear that a whip breaks the speed of sound after I had learned about sonic booms and, and, and what have you and uh, I decided I would years later just try to make one and at this point I've gotten into photography it's it's my other job I guess you could say um, but I thought, man, after watching these videos and, and seeing the explanations of, of how shock waves work, you should be able to get a picture of the tip of the whip creating a shock wave distorting the light waves. So I took a drumstick, I took some twine, and wrapped it with duct tape with a little tiny piece at the end of a cracker that would last probably, I don't know, three or four cracks before, uh, before it would disintegrate. But the only crack I knew how to do was the, the old up and down, you know, the kind that you can, they say you'll cut your ear with, yeah. I think Bernie said that in some of his videos, but uh, that's what started it for me, and ultimately the experiment did fail, um, but it got me curious, I was like, I'm going to do what I always do when I discover something I want to want to look into, and that I'm curious about, I went on YouTube, I went on online first, um, it, you know, just to get all this information, because, you know, the internet's right there, and it's very helpful in these situations, so... At first, I went on YouTube. I found videos of Adam Winrich. I saw the, the famous video of him uh, and the snowy field cracking the whip. And I just thought it was so cool how effortlessly he was able to crack the whip. That's what I was so drawn to. Like, he was just... That's what the best does when you sit back and watch it. Yeah. That, you just you get lost in the poeticness. Yeah. <laughs> the poetic nature of them in action. You know, it's just yeah. poetry and motion, as they say. And you just... You can... I watched Adam Duvalli's in front of me and I was just in a trance. Like, I wasn't really in a trance, but I sat there just looking at that wrist motion. I didn't care about the rest of all. I'd actually see it in my first time in my face, three feet away. I was just like, that is so smooth, I can't even describe yeah. it. Yeah, just you this know. finesse. You know, you just easily throw your wrist. But yeah, seeing the videos of Adam, um, it made me go, okay, I really do want to either get my hands on a good working whip or I want to try to make one because that's what I've done in the past when I want something and don't necessarily have the money for it or I just don't know where to get it. So I, I decided to try to make one. Time or money, which can you actually let go of? <laughs> <laughs> At this point, there were, you know, just little snippets of, of, you know, videos of people plating. So I could kind of see what they were doing, but I needed more, you know, background. Do you remember who they were? Uh, Bernie Wojcicki was probably the first video that I saw any plating whatsoever of. So he, he helped me so much. Uh, just with the whole whip making, but that that was kind of after the fact. I my first whip 
plated whip was used, uh, the instructions I found on instructables.com. And uh, for those of you who don't know, it's just a, a place where people share their methods of you know, do-it-yourself projects. And then uh, I think it was HC1 was the name of this user. I've been trying to contact him, actually, to maybe have him on this podcast and tell him how his, his tutorial is kind of what started me off. But he had this, you know, different pages showing how he would take all these strands of parachute cord, he would gut them. I think three of the core strands he would fill with lamp chain. So he would take like the ball chain. The, yes, yeah. yeah, the ball chain. He he would take sections of parachute cord, gut all. He'd pull all six or all seven strands eventually. But first, he would just take six of them. He would tie the lamp chain to one of the the strings and then pull the lamp chain through with the string. So all these little things, techniques that I'm sure he probably figured out and, and maybe started. But um, that that's what started it for me. And and I. You know, laid my parachute cord out. I think it was a nail or a threaded rod that he used as the handle, so I got that uh, from the hardware store. And I just remember how hard it was for one to cut the strands out, two to lay them out. I, I remember laying the whip. I think it was on the floor, and I had all the strands not touching each other. And I had this idea in my mind that, oh no, if they touch, you know, if they cross, this whole thing, I have to take it apart. I didn't know, obviously, you know, that that's not the case, but. Um, yeah, that whip took me probably, I want to say, two weeks to actually finish. Um, and like, I didn't like even, a couple hours a day. What do you mean by two weeks? Well, like you procrastinated. It wasn't like eight hour a day. No, no, it's probably two, three hours a day. You know, plating this much, unplating this much, and uh, realizing that the strand was off and what happened. So a lot of redoing, doing, yeah. redoing. Oh, so yeah. you just get okay. Yeah, so just over yeah, and just me telling myself over and over again, like this is a one time thing i'm never going to do this again this never get this done I'm, yeah um and the funny thing is i don't think i used a i don't know if i used a clamp i don't think i did because he never specified in in the instruction so you on the the form. Form. i think i just held it actually hmm. and just like put it through um yeah i made that thing and i remember it was um yeah i was still in high school it was probably 2010 2011 so I remember going back to school that day because I wanted to crack it in the gym. I wanted to test it out in the gym with a huge echo. So I went in there and uh, the girls were actually having volleyball practice. <laughs> and I didn't know if it would crack or not. But I figured I'm going to do it. And uh, so they're all practicing. I, I swing it around and I crack it. And it's loud. Like it actually worked. And I didn't know you know, what a, what a whip in person really sounded like at that point. And uh, they turn around. They're kind of mad. They're like, I think the coach came out and said, what, what are you doing? We're trying to, they're trying to concentrate and stuff. And I just, I was laughing. I left. It's like, it worked. Sweet. And uh, went back home, played with it some more. But at that point, I realized, okay, I want to do it better. And I think that's what, what's driven me to, to do all this. To get to this point is, is that strive to make the next one better than the first one. You know, even if you're not making, you know, a killing on, on whips, I, I, I don't. And I remember something Bernie said, um, it won't make you rich, but it's very, it's very satisfying to, to finish a whip and to see the engineering that you just made. So I think striving to get the next one better than the previous one is what really got me to continue it. So then, at this point, I gave YouTube a break for a while because I was focused on actually trying to get one made. So at that point, I was like, I'm going to go back on YouTube. I couldn't find a, a full-length video on this thing, so I'm going to make one, and I want to see what people do with it. And, and part of it... 
definitely was to a, a small part of it was just curiosity of how many views I could get on it because for one there's it's still kind of new we're yeah, talking it's like new, how many years ago um it was 2011 I think yeah, 12 so maybe 12 yeah so that's like what I can't do math now 15 years ago I ain't that long ago, right? uh, oh wait seven, I'm sorry we're in 18 uh, 7 years ago 7 yeah. years ago but still oh. I, I was you know a little part of me did want to see how many people would watch it I, I wanted to see you know what would happen but another part of it was me I just wanted to share it like this is pretty cool guys you so can check this out between all the research you did find the first one and uh -huh. then you said maybe around you know 50 whips you made the video yeah where did you find any other sources and things that guided you along that helped you out like what what would be some of the transformation you did from number one to 50 to where you're like I'm going to show a video and this is where I'm at like what was there anything else that got yeah. you there or was that just you figuring things mm -hmm. out to change because, I mean, like, where did you figure out how to anchor it or anchor it to advices you chose or something else if you didn't do it on the first one? Like, where yeah. did that come? You know what I mean? Like, where else did the rest sure. come? I, I think most of it came from Bernie um, because he started making videos before I did. And I just, I guess I wasn't aware and I didn't see all of the steps. But I think mostly him. And that was kind of how I followed. I, I, I remember taking nylon and just... You know, kind of applying it to to what he taught. So you see something like, oh, that work here too. Yeah, yeah. Like a strand is a strand, basically. Yeah. And I thought, well, this, this would work here. I remember seeing uh, White North Whips, uh, Steph um, Norman. Yeah, Steph Norman. He he had some videos on dropping strands that significantly helped me. I remember there was a video he had a it was like a a red and tan whip, and he was he helped me a lot. He was an inspiration to me. Um, I think I don't know. Yeah, Gus, or no? It was somebody else. I can't remember. Gus is pure whips. I don't. I don't know if he had videos then. I think he did. I think his videos were. I, I watched him cracking the whips. I think he was. Yeah. I don't know if I, I learned how to plate from him. But uh, yeah, he was. He was definitely one of them. There's somebody else I can't think of now. But. So what made you finally do the 50th one? Or like when you're just like, I'm making a video, was it, would you say that was like you said, I would just see how many views you get on it? That was, that was part of it. But another part of it was there isn't a video on this. and I, I Why wanna, isn't there? Yeah, why isn't there a video? And I think I think people need to see it. And I want to see where this goes. I want to see if, you know, the whip community, and if it, there is a whip community. And the results are kind of outstanding. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's come a long way. A lot of people have seen it. Right. A lot of new whip making companies uh, have, have come from it, and I never would have imagined that that would that would happen yeah. at the at the you know, rate that it did. But yeah, I, I, it's still pretty mind boggling to me. It's phenomenal. Yeah, phenomenal. Man. Thank you. Yeah, that's that's my uh, that's how it how it all started. So uh, we we decided we were hanging out and might as well do a, a whipcast, <laughs> and we didn't really have any format. Everyone out there in a format world. <laughs> I was trying to figure out where we're going with this. We don't have a plan, so I was thinking, you know, what we could do is try to go around and ask questions. So maybe we might all around and ask questions. Yeah. So I asked the first one. I'm done. <laughs> who's, <laughs> next? <laughs> who's, who's next? Who's next? Make anything, no matter how small it was. Yeah, um, you asked me what I had for breakfast. I had a, a spark and some vitamins. Spark is an energy sh shake from Advocare. <laughs> And that spark, it's, it, I don't drink coffee, so man, that thing pops vitamins more into me. It's, it's like, imagine a Red Bull without without the, car, you know, the, the carbonation or the acid or any of the bad stuff. You know, it has a lot, it's better than that, though. Yeah. Ask anything. So do you have any of your, any of your, did you keep any of your old whips that 
you made a lot, like when you first got started? Yes, the, the first one that I was talking about from the Instructables website, I still have a segment of that plating. I, I don't know why I ended up cutting basically the, the front of it off, the, the transition area, but I still have some of that plating. And then the first whip I made for the photography project, I do still have that one, the duct tape drums, drumstick and twine. Still have that one. I'll, I'll always keep it. And did we compare first whips when I visited you? We did. One time. Yeah, yeah, I took a snapshot of that. Uh. Yeah. So I do still have a couple of them, and then the one that the guy sent back to me. Yeah, I can, I've got a few of my uh, my vinyl whips mm. that I, I kept. You can you can tell, you know, you know, if I was to lay them in order, you can tell when I when I got a whip and could see that a whip was actually pulled and braided tightly. You know what I mean? Because I had no idea. I was just putting things in their place yeah. and hoping for the best. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I think that's the one thing that, uh, like, like, like uh, doing martial arts for so many years. You know, you, you know, like everything in this past ten years, every business has had to come to the idea that it's a social media world now, and it's not just because the free advertising, but it's just people are going to learn from being able to look at their phone and just type something up and they want to see somebody else do it so they can see it better, mm -hmm. which is phenomenal. Like, you can now repair your car even if you're a kid that doesn't know anything because yeah, yeah. you can just type up what's wrong and even though you got it you're flat, you can probably type up your car and they show you how to get the jack out of it and mm -hmm. screw things down to pop up from underneath. I mean, it, it, it'd be able to do that. So yeah. every business has had to deal with that to where they're like, well, if I can watch it, why do I need to pay you to come out and teach me? Or why do I need you to pay you for the service? Especially, like, think about martial arts. I mean, you still need... But the thing is, you always need hands, hands-on uh, help because, like, let's just say we're talking about just like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. It's like it's all it's not all wrestling format. Well, I can show the moves. What you don't feel is you don't feel the pressure. You don't feel the, the sure. pressure because you're watching it. You're not actually getting the tactile sense. So it's like when you watch somebody braid. Although there's you know there are some variations on braiding, but when you yeah. braid, it's like. I, I, you know, it's like as much as you can watch someone braid, you can't maybe really feel all the little nuances he's doing on how he's holding the core, how he's pushing this in, or how he's tilting the core, or the mm -hmm. pressure on the core, equal to the pressure of the strand and why that angle's not working. Like you can see it, and it just looks like, oh well, he's just going over three under three and pulling. But it's like, but you don't, you know, the magic isn't in the hand that's pulling the other strand. The magic's in the hand holding the core if you're braiding with, with proper technique. And it's like it don't matter how much you see it, you know, you almost have to see someone in person do it and then have them point it out. And that's the one thing about where you, you do need instructors because not everybody can explain everything and not everyone can relate to everyone who does teach. It's mm -hmm. so like there's like people that love Adam because of style. I love it because of style. But then there's other people that he may use terms that don't work with them, but some other dude would use a different term and then that makes more sense to him. So he's yeah, like, I yeah. like that guy's better because what he says, you know, like Adam's very elegant and be able to say things with metaphors and similes or variations and like not everybody can do that. Mm. And it's like another guy may have a hard time with that. <laughs> yeah. Metaphors, but they would rather hear it like just raise up and down and count and two or whatever it is. So, yeah. It, you know, but, are, but it does help to have that hands-on, which is the one problem with learning on videos. Mm -hmm. you know? I, I think people are, are oftentimes biased to what they, to how they learn, you know what I mean? Because they, they were trying to figure it out and they're like, well, I figured it out this way, so they have a hard time accepting that there's a better way to do something. You know, well, like when it ain't broke, it's kind of hard to think that you need to fix it. Yeah, know, even yeah. though you could make it better, and like, well, it's better with time. Like, well, it could get better time. But yeah. Sometimes techniques, it's better to keep growing on anything. Mm -hmm. Like doctors, right? They yeah. spend eight years to get out, but by the time they get out, well, four of those years, they've already reindoctrinated new books for the first right. four years of people that were behind them that are more advanced than what they're. <laughs> They yeah. had it's like when they get out, it's like well you're a new doctor, but you're basically obsolete in about four years for the next group that comes yeah. out. You know, so there's yeah, yeah you know that, that that's also another thing. Mm -hmm. You know, it just 
Yeah, I think people should be open to, to trying different methods. Yeah, that's Especially, what keeps all doctors in. you got to yeah. take more workshops, more seminars, yeah. see, like, what's the latest on this is changing mm-hmm. things. So, I mean, you got to, even though you've got your black belt, <laughs> you yeah. got to still proceed to see what's going on in the rest of the world and currently going on in new things yeah. because you know, it doesn't mean you got to adopt or change everything, but if you see anything that you think would help you, man, for sure try it and adopt yeah. it, you know. you got to be willing to you got to be willing to try new things. And then after yeah. you try it, you can say, I don't like it. Exactly. Yeah. But you got to at least be willing. Even if you're skeptical of a method, give it a try. Yeah. You know, just see if it works. See see why that person is, is saying what they're saying about it. Like like the Denny Williams strander? Like uh, Paul, uh, like I think Paul Nolan called it, it's a, I don't know if he said it. I think the one it was. that he has two yeah, hands yeah, yeah. Like, it, like see so you have the Aussie strander yeah, and like, yeah. you know, you got that finger groove and it's a pain to get in your leather. Unless you're just doing it like uh, you're cutting out one big strand. Uh-huh. Well, the, the Denny Williams uh-huh. has a, a little. Yeah, you have something with the blade poking out. It's not like in a special groove, so you can actually uh-huh. slap it up like a real blade wherever you want, and then yeah. slide it down. And it's kind of got a gauge where it adjusts the width. But one of them called it it's a gateway strander because it's it's just as close, just like the finger groove kind of is a gateway strander. It's just as close to you putting the real blade in yourself. Mm-hmm. It's just that you have this g- gadget while you do it. So mm-hmm. I mean, if you, it's the same thing. If you dropped your gadgets, just put your blade in and just mm-hmm. pay attention to it. But it's like that's the closest thing, and I think that was the theory: is that it was basically just like you'd hold the strand, it lay, or hold the skin, lays in your hand, and just like you'd hold a knife. And yeah, you just cut right. It. Yeah, you're almost, you're almost. It's almost just like a blade. You're holding hand. it like the handle of a knife, and you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're keeping tension on on the hide with your thumb here mm-hmm. as you come through, and you're pulling the strand off with your left hand, just like you would if you're cutting with a knife. So. You know, this this would be like you said a gateway. Hmm. But but I never needed it. But I, I bought one anyways, and uh, just because you know, like I thought, well, I should at least have the experience of what it was like to use the tool. So mm-hmm. I, I I bought one and made a lap around. And although I could make it use, I'm like, I don't need this. I just use a sharp blade. But but it's like it was good to have done that. So I know it, and I know what they've gone through, and I realize, well, oh, I see how it is good, and maybe I could recommend that for someone else, or I do see the benefit of it, or hey, I can let them know like this is basically the same. If you're confident, go ahead and move on to blade. Or, but I'd tell anyone just do a blade from the beginning. Like don't even bother with these jigs. You know, don't even bother with the strander. Don't worry about it. like you just put a blade in and tear up your first hide. By one, you'll get it out. You'll figure it out. You'll at least be able to cut through in rings enough to keep going when we're talking about it. Yeah, pe- people have done that from the start and I'm kind of jealous of, you know, because I've used the Aussie Strander and still use it. And, uh, you know, I recognize that the, the, the method you use, freehand, is much faster, absolutely. And I'm trying to get to that point where I can do it, but what would you recommend to, to people like myself who have a hard time, like, I'm practicing it, but there goes another hide. It's just the learning curve seems so sharp. Is it is it good to just plow through them, just keep going, keep going, or is there? Okay, well, so um, uh, so when you normally been doing it, you, you said you use the Aussie, the yeah, little, yeah. The little finger groove. Yep. All right, and so you are you using the onion method, or are you trying to use the yoke? Use the uh, nope, I'm just spiraling around the whole thing, getting my strand out. No yoke. Well, the Aussie strand is great for that. That when you use a yoke, it's a real pain. Now you mm-hmm. can still use the Aussie strander to make yoke, which I did on my first whip. But every time you've got to unscrew the blade, slide it through the groove, yeah, and then yeah, rescrew yeah. the blade, slide it down till you get around the cur- the hide to where you're going to run into the, you know, it's going to catch up with itself, and then you got to undo it, and yeah. <laughs> redo it, and so it was yeah. real pain. Uh, I did that on my first one, and then I think on my second one, I think I actually tried it Bernie's way. I had his machine, and I did the circle, and I did the onion, as I call it, where you just cut it all in one big strand. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I was like, I, I can't do this. Like, if, if I had to do either of those methods, I, I wouldn't be the whip maker I am today. Uh, I just said, that that's it. Because Steve first showed me, when I first visited Steve, just how to cut a belly out with a blade and prep it and everything with just a blade. So I'm like, I was just like, I'm over this. <laughs> I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm just going to just stick it in my, and do everything like that, because it's so much quicker and, and 
easier and, and makes more sense to me. And how I, many, Sorry you know, to interrupt, but I'm just curious. How many whips did you make up until that point where you decided that you didn't want to do that anymore? Two. Two times. Okay. <laughs> so that was enough. Yeah, like, I'm like, not doing it. Screw this thing. And, then I, and I tried it. I just went from there. You know, like, okay. So my answer, I don't know what Steve's answer would be, but yeah. my answer is just, just dive in. You know, like, mm-hmm. just, just go for it. Everybody, everybody's, well, I just, uh, I, I myself, let's just say this. When I say something, I might say something like, oh, I think this is better. Well, generally, I have a reason why I think it's better, but I'm not trying to kind of say, oh, I'm better and every method isn't. It's just like I find it to be better for my, my style and my purposes and my needs, you know. Right. And uh, it's better because all the time it takes when you look at the long run or the short run of cutting the hides out without a blade. And the prepping of all of them takes a lot longer. And like when you have a yoke already made, I don't have to arrange my strands and lash my strands anything. They're already connected to the yoke. So I mean, it's a lot of it's quicker, but I, I can't explain the frustration I had with this finger groove, which if you've done it, you guys know what I'm talking about. Well, it was really frustrating for me. And uh, then then using, uh, I, I don't know if he used that the second time, but I also used his machine. So once I cut it, I used that, that square machine to do all my laces, but that was frustrating to me. Mm trying to get all this math right at every single step of the way and trying to get every strand to match it and then trying to get the bevel on it. It just it seemed like I was doing the same work five times in a row. When if right. I have my blade, it only takes me two strand or two minutes of strand to prep my, my, my lace on an overlay. Like if it's a belly, I can prep a full belly in like uh, I don't know, two minutes or less. But if you're talking like an overlay, man, I, you know, it's like two minutes, two minutes to strand my way. But like if you had to cut, you know, so if you had to prep it the other way, well, you've got to mark every part or every foot where you want to lose five millimeters, and you got to run that thing for that, and then you got to lower it by five millimeters and yeah, run it through, and yeah. then lower it by another five and run it through. And to match and mark all the strands takes way longer. And so, really, after I did that with one strand, it felt like, well, first of all, it seemed to take, you know, like, you know, the time I was done, it seemed like I was spending almost two hours prepping an overlay. Yeah. And, and you know, with my method now, just because I do everything freehand, and over time you become faster at any method, but that method, no matter how fast you get at the Bernie's method, mm-hmm. you touch your lace like two to three times as much mm-hmm. than I do. So there is no way it would ever catch up to the same speed because that method, and Bernie did a lot of things based on, at that point, his age. Uh, like it's easier to sit at a desk and do this and no longer walk back all the time and be mm-hmm. on his legs for eight hours a day considering what he was going through how old he was. You know what I mean? So it's like yeah, yeah. he did a lot of stuff, I think, for the ease and the simplicity and the rest on his body. Like he even said, I used to make fun of, when I was younger, made fun of whip makers that sat on a stool while they made whips, he says. But then I got old, mm-hmm. you know. So mm-hmm. you know, so you got to realize a lot of his methods were like that. And I think a lot of that became what he, he did for different reasons. But one of them is just based on that. It's like he can sit down now and do it because he was... How old was he when he passed? Was he 70? Was he over 70? 68, so. 70. I mean, and he worked yeah. He worked his butt off his whole life hard. That guy, was a, that guy was an honorable, hardworking man that just was generous to people and kind, you know. So he, he worked every inch of his way. And, I mean, till you know, till the end even, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, you, he was you, a huge you inspiration to me, for sure. Yeah, I, th- I think, I don't know, a lot of people... I'll speak for myself on this, but a lot of people are intimidated to to do any freehand cutting because they're afraid. And I've talked to people that also say, I'm afraid to ruin a kangaroo skin. Yeah, kangaroo way- skin isn't cheap, but they're not aware of what you've taught me, that there's a lot of flexibility, there's more flexibility than you think as to how a strand you know, can wrap around. Like if it's too thick, you know, a little too thick, you pull down. If it's If it's 
too narrow, you know, you can pull up a little bit. And there, there's there's, there's a, a lot of variation. Now. There's a variation yeah. in the braid. But yeah. that's with anyone, no matter whether you do it my way or your way. I mean, yeah. there, there's more of a... With good braiding technique, you can make up for a lot of a lot of a lot of imperfections here and there just by yeah. the way you lay it. So I mean, you know, but you also can't cut things two millimeters and put sixteen on a full size bull whip sure, on it. Sure, yeah. You know, but there is plenty of room for for error on that. You know, and I, um, you know, but I always say just you know, obviously you just jump in and go for it. But you're right, everyone's always like, I think they see the money value of well, I can spend one hundred and twenty dollars on someone and get a full size made nylon whip. And you want me to spend around $120, $30 on one skin that I may or may not even make into a whip that's just going to be crap. And I think that's where they, they, that's how they see it. Maybe I'm wrong. That's how I could have saw it. And it, we'd balk at it. It's like, because that's just 120 in the drain. Because if I mess it up and it ain't good and I can't even use it, I'm not going to be able to sell it. You know, it doesn't function. You know, I think that's what the fear of is, is it going to yeah, be at 120 that was my fear. Right? And it's like, well, that's the price of Mitch, buddy. Yeah. You know, like, uh, I, I wouldn't say everybody do this, but like, uh, you know, you need to have a muse. You know, if, if you're a new whip maker and you haven't got with any other whip maker, first of all, find a near whip maker. I don't care if they've done, even if they they learned from Nick, just like you learned from Nick. If they learned from Bernie, like you learned from Bernie. If, mm -hmm. if they've had no experience but the same thing you have, that's all right because they are a different person that do things differently and have solved something or not solved something. When you work with them, you know, you'll learn something that they did that you might like and they'll learn something you don't like and it's, it's iron sharpening iron. So mm -hmm. get, get near someone. First of all, but it's good to have a muse. Like I like this guy's whips. I like the look of these whips, or I played with these whips, and I like. I mean, always get new whips in your hands. I mean, find whip meets guys. Get people around you. Find out who has whips. If you haven't seen a whip by a maker in hand, you need to because pictures aren't enough. But you know, eventually you can tell more from pictures. But it's like uh, you know, you you know, you you want a muse. You want a whip that uh, whip maker that you like. This guy, I think, is the top. I think I like what he does the best. This is what I would strive to think my whip would want to be like. Whatever it is you like about that whip. Well, then you should talk to that guy and you should ask him about his process and be very kind and, you know, you know thankful if he shares anything. But it's like you should do that and you should have him use, you know, it's because like, why, why else do we have teachers or everybody thinks the Internet's a teacher? Well, the Internet just showed you a nice door, but still, it's like you need to you got to see different people, different whips, different other makers whips. You'll learn something different from different people's whips because everyone's whips are unique and, and you'll learn something from just by playing with Russell Schultz or Winrich or Steve Townsend or anyone's or Paul Nolan, a strain, whatever, you'll see something different, but it's good to have that muse. And that's something you can try to build towards. And it would be nice if they're still alive and they're willing to help you with it, you know, which isn't always yeah. the case right now. You know, but it's really good to be able to, to do that. And I think that's a huge benefit for growth, you know, but once again, that's the, the difference between just being able to watch it on TV and, and going out there. But like, because of that, you know, I, like I said, I think of people a lot worried about that money. It was like, well, I don't have $500 to spend for a flight three states away and stay at a hotel if you won't let me stay with him and pay for his time for a couple hours and come back. And I'm like, well, you're right. It could be if that's what you arrange, but you might be able to find somebody just to just come over to my house. It's just a six hour drive. You can stay on my sofa and we'll hang out with you. I mean, it doesn't always have to think like you got to pay for this kind of workshop. You know, but, but it's like they can almost see the time and the trip and it is away from your family. But anything you, you want to master in this world, you got to do some training. Thing is, what are you doing to train, and where are you getting it from? Is it all just books? Well, then you know it's like, what you know, where where else have you pursued it? Who else have you talked to? Have you met anyone? Have you met up with anyone? Mm -hmm. You know, it's it is good to kind of to to, to learn from others, be around each other, because you pick up different techniques or see how they're doing something different, and then you're yeah. seeing out that I never thought about it like that, or that makes sense, or you know, wow, that's a good. Yeah. It's either another proof that explains why you're doing what you're doing and is right, or why maybe you think you found a better way to help you. But yeah. if you're wrong, if you've been, you feel like you've been wrong and that's better, you got better. And if you think it's really bad what they're doing, it helps re-illustrate why you do what you do. So it's like you can't hurt to hear someone else's point of view. It can't hurt. The problem is, is when people can't 
uh, they don't really want to hear you. They just want to explain themselves. So as long yeah. as long as everyone is wanting just to hear the other person, there's no reason why we can't say opposite things or not agree on anything, but still just hang out and talk about anything else sure. and get along. It's yeah, like we yeah. can have different who what we believe in, but it doesn't yeah. mean we should not be able to get along because that. But but you know, like that money, like I said, it's kind of that money too. It's like I don't want to go somewhere, but you should go somewhere and find somewhere. You should be worth a hundred bucks to make that road trip or to pay yeah. for a hotel. And, you and so be one on one instruction. So it, it, you're worried about that that kangaroo skin, and I'm like, well, let's just say it's one hundred twenty dollars. Okay, well, uh, do you have a family? Uh, yeah. All right, you ever been to Chuck E. Cheese? Yeah. How often you go? Like well, you know, once every two months. All right. All right what about? Chuck e. Wait, it's Friday <laughs> night. You're going to pizza. How much you spend? And they're like, well, like sixty bucks. By the time I pay for all five of us and a tip and I'm like okay how much is that skin 120 so if you convince your family for you to just not yeah. go out and eat and just cook at home for two nights in a row you got that skin paid for and you either start a new passion and gain a new skill or it burns to the ground worst case scenario well mm-hmm. it's like you just just didn't eat out for two nights that week and you know so it's your if you can look at it separately from like I lost 120 to, well what else are you going to gain from it maybe you learn that you never want to touch leather again and you only want nylon <laughs> But either way, you now know what it was to do leather, and you could be like, well, I choose nylon because this. This didn't seem to feel right, or it didn't fit right, or I didn't like this, or I know I probably could have got better, but I just immediately knew this was not for me. It's like, you want to play a musical instrument, kid? It's your first class, right? Here's a tuba. That's you or nothing. You know, I mean, that's how people can see that. You get stuck. Like, I don't want to blow a tuba. Music sucks. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's like, but you'll know the feeling like, oh, I don't like this tuba. Like, oh, dude, I like the tuba. You know, I mean, you got to put your feet in those shoes and walk around to see whether you actually wear them. There's a lot of things where people make an assumption on as to whether they're going to like it or not. And it's total opposite. They thought they'd hate it and they love it. You know, and of course, they thought it was something they would enjoy and they never want to do it again. You know, I've, I've had people that watch my videos say, "Hey, you know, I I tried. I I really I realized I don't like this." And some of them will, will order a whip. Some of them, you know. Now I get uh, Stephen here. Ready? Yeah, yeah. Nick, ask him a question. I'll burn one away. Sure. Um, oh, I got one. All right. Yeah, what are some of your goals, Steve, for being a whip maker? Take it however it is, whether you're talking about a certain whip you want to make or product or overall goals. Like what are, what's a goal? What's one of your goals for making a whip or whatever? So for me to answer that question, it's, it's going to take <laughs> a long time. No. All right, pick one. Pick one thing. No, I'm just saying, what, what, what were some of my goals when I first started making whips? Oh, that's cool. Do that. So that's what that. you said, right? No, I meant like right now. What's your next goal? So what, okay, what are my goals? What are my current goals? Yeah, that's for both you. Well, my current goals are real similar to what my initial goals were, which is to just keep getting better at what it is I'm doing. Sharpening your sword. Right. Well, you know, I'm a guitar player, and as a guitar player, I was obsessed with technique, and I was obsessed with being the best that I could be. Because basically, I finally, when I found guitar, you know, I was 12 years old, and you know, I knew I couldn't play sports. I wasn't good at this. I wasn't good at that. I wasn't good at basketball or football. I didn't really have any interest in those kind of things, for one thing. But uh, I found the guitar, and finally found something that I seemed to a have an interest in, and b somewhat excel at. You know, and uh, I just I loved it. And that's what whip making is. And you know, the same as guitar. It's you know the perfectionist in me comes out and says, okay, doing it is one thing, but I want to do it to the best of my ability, you know. Like my first job, I, I made pizzas at Noble Romans. And at first, I was, you know, not very good at it. And I remember when they first, the first Friday night, busy night of the week, they put me on hand-tossed. 
You know, I always uh, wanted to do that. I'm I not, never got a chance to. No. I want to actually go and apply for part-time jobs at restaurants just so I can do stuff and I'm done like a bocce grill and hand toss. Sorry, go on. I was, like, that sounds awesome to me. Scared to death. I'm like, I've never hand tossed a pizza before. And you put me on, on tossing the pizzas on a Friday night. It's our busiest night. We've got the, the, the you know, now I'm I'm the guy that's talking. No crash. All these you got a crash course. Crash course. Basically yeah. tonight you're learning it. I'm not. You do it for the first you. time. You're going to learn it on At the worst the end day of the week. Friday to do night, it. I was tossing in pizzas like I've been doing it for weeks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I got good at it quick because they just kept coming. It was nonstop. You just spin two on the hand. I couldn't do that. No, I, it wasn't. It wasn't cocktail. Okay, I'm not Tom Cruise. <laughs> you can't put that one out. Putting on a show. So when they look at me, use our feet, better feet. But uh, you know. I, with with the pizza place where I'm going with that is I got you know after I worked there for six or seven months it got to the point where literally when the manager got a call from the owner who owned that Noble Roman store and he was he was at his motel for the week and he wanted a pizza the manager would come to me and say Steve make this pizza because he knew that when my pizza was done it was going to look like something they wanted on their menu as a photo because I took pride in what I did you know what I mean and it I didn't think about trying to make a pretty pizza. It just—it's something that's it's in part me. of you. It's a part of me, yeah. and it came out in the guitar. And I got—I lost interest in that when I started doing it for a living. Then pizza came around. His next thing, <laughs> and then yeah, and then the pizza. Came. But no. So my initial goals and my current goal is since he found out he can't for support a family, Dawson. No. And I just—I think <laughs> there's so much. on to the next thing. There's so much to platting that knowing how to plat, knowing the basic motions, is one thing. But being really good at platting and knowing exactly when you start to see that scene drift this way, what to do with your hands to get it to stop doing that and straighten up and stay straight. And you know what I mean? Those are things that I'm obsessed with. I want to get better at platting. It's like I was talking to Adam one time, you know, and he was talking about how it's weird sometimes he's working on a whip and he notices that the top seam is straight, but the side seam might wander a little bit. Yeah, Yeah. Okay. And it's like, okay, that's obviously an aspect of his platting and I'm guilty of having the same effect on my whip undoubtedly you know what I mean like what aspect of my platting is it that's causing that those are the that's what I'm obsessed with those are my goals is to really just get better at platting get better at you're gonna be able to shape that clay yeah being able to get sharp angle whenever you want ultimately knowing what I'm going to get before I roll the whip that's what I want I want to know exactly just because I've done it so much that I know I know what this whip's going to be after it's rolled mm-hmm. I know I know what to insert here to make up for what I know I lost when I cut this too short here or whatever you know what yeah, I mean yeah. but uh, I mean aside from that obviously just keeping to make more whips and, and uh, having customers that are just you know it's always good to hear from a customer who's happy with your work and I haven't heard from an unhappy customer yet but you know, it's nice to have people that, you know, they make videos on YouTube and they, they show off your work and they're happy to have your work and you're, you know, they're showing your work amongst whips like, you know, Trinity Whips from Blake Bruning and Bernardo Del Carpio's and Joe Strain's and stuff. And these are people that are going, okay, I've got a Joe Strain, i got a Bernardo Del Carpio, i got a Blake Bruning, and hey man, I think your whip's pretty good. And that, that that's flattering, man, I love that. Yeah. So more of that, obviously, is a good thing. I gotta ask, what are you doing right now? I guess. I do. I've had a splinter in this hand for days, and it's been bothering me. And I'm at this point, I'm just so sick and tired of it. I'm going to dig it out with this razor blade <laughs> until it comes out, man. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I feel There's a live no, surgery going on right now. I guys. just take tweezers and I'll go down past it and I'll just bite a chunk out of whatever I got. I try to convince my daughters to do that thing. Sometimes I'll let me. I'm like, look, man, you you do so much pain trying to push and whittle this out. 
take those tweezers, pinch it out, and it's gone. There's a big hole where it flies out. <laughs> pull it out, and you're done. Take some skin with it. But it's done. It's, but it's done. Right it's done in one pull, and you're gone. Knocked out. No more fighting it. And, ah, and pushing it and going back in. And it's still out of dinner and shoving. And you go through more pain. You know, it's like there's an old, uh, it was a dog of Kuru. I can't remember. There's a, maybe it was Kimon of Masoshi's Fiverr. And there's a phrase that I think is Aga Kuru. And it said that, you know, like when it's raining outside, people do things like jet, you know, left and right and try to get under the eaves of houses. And, you know, they're trying to basically trying to say they're trying to do everything to get out from under the rain. But, like, but at the end of the day, you get the same soaking. Mm. So it's out. like, why not walk brave with your face in the rain? Because at the end of the day, you're just as wet. But you're going to be dodging and ducking and diving and all this stuff. You know, it's like, you know, no matter what, you're going to be going through about the same amount of pain. But actually, you're going through worse pain, running and dodging, trying to get away from what you think you can get away from which you're going to get the same soaking so just sit there and forget about it or deal with it <laughs> anyways i got a lot of martial art things when i talk i can't help that so <laughs> these things come up i was compare things to guitar so hey man i'm not mad at you i i, I have a similar goal I, i'd like to get more consistent and uh i also play guitar and and i kind of liken you know guitar to wit making and so far as I, I'd like to learn the fretboard better so I have more control and the guitar's not playing me and you know it's the guitar my limited knowledge isn't deciding where I go on the fretboard and it, same with whip making I want to be more um, on top of it I consistent I want to be able to know if I want to do this what length strand do I need you know and you guys are artists artists <laughs> you don't be crazy being artists you know it's like you, the better you get more you realize that you'll just never know and you start realizing how small your world really is yeah. to the vast chasm of what can be accomplished. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't care how many whips I've made, I'll never make a Peter Thorndike 72 flat. I don't want to. I, I, I would not make it through without going crazy. I would feel like I was with Bernie's beveling box and my opposite cutter making a, you know, making my second whip as a 16 flat 10 foot Frankenstein <laughs> piece. You know, I feel like that doing it. It's like, it's just, I know it's not for me. I'll make a 24 flat most so much you can do you know it really is not only to realize so it's, you know, I think people that do strive hard enough will see the world and they they will be humbled by it again by just how much I will not know about what making there's there's more about what I do not know than there will ever be of what I do know what is it when Socrates or Plato said uh, you know true wisdom is knowing that you know nothing or the beginning yeah. of wisdom is when you know nothing yeah. how little you really know yeah we're finite, man. Every part of our body and our, you know, our spirit's not, but our body and our mind, it's finite. We can only grasp and physically do so much before we're broken or drained or stumped and can't conceive of something more. I, I get into this spot sometimes with music, especially where it, I, I know it's not going to be good enough, and it stops me from even wanting to continue. So I have to get to a point where I just be honest with myself and say, this isn't going to be as perfect in real life as it is in your mind, just do it, release it, you know, if it's a song I'm working on, just finish it, it's it's never going to be that perfect idea. Let's try it for your mind. personal best, yeah. for the passion. Yeah. Right. How, how much, how, how good, you know, like I, I always said when I stopped getting better from whip making, I may literally walk away. Yeah. And I, I, 
I still sometimes, you know, <laughs> I've wondered like, would I really walk away? Like, what would be it? And so, yeah, I, you probably couldn't do that. Over time, why am I? You know, you, yeah. over time you look at certain things, and, I, and the way I look at things is like I, I try to tell people that are trying to get a better product, and I'm like, you, you can't make the best what you can, and but you have quality control. So I say, don't think about what's the best what you think you can make that you haven't made yet. You need to think of well, what's the worst quality that'll ever pass through my shop? Like, what will my wits not have? Oh, well, my whips will not have uh, a complete loose transition of the bat where it's flopping sideways, you know, or whatever you want to think of the bat stuff. Like, my whips will not have any gaps. My whips will not have, you know, so, like, you, you guys should look, you know, it's better to look at that and think of, well, what's the highest low standard that I will ever produce? And, they, yeah. and that's the bar you want to keep raising while you keep being perfect. But stop thinking about that ultimate perfection you can't get. You almost won't finish a whip because you can see going back and just changing one thing mm -hmm. but you'd be taking hours worth of work just to change one little thing that's probably not even noticed by anybody but you in the first place because yeah. you're an whip maker that notices it where no one else does yeah there's like that breaking point where you just decide like i'm gonna finish it and it's a fine line too because it's like what artist is completely satisfied with his art even when he is the problem is yeah. it's a it's a destination that you can no longer sit there so mm -hmm. it's not it's not a process Always. that was one of the goals on your process but you can't just remake that again. Whatever that was is over and done, and you shipped it off. You know, Joe mm -hmm. said every now and again you'll make, you will make a. He said you will make a perfect whip. They said it'll go together perfectly, and he says, but you've got to sell that one. You got to let it go. You can't keep it. And make the guy another one. Mm -hmm. and, you know, and I think I might have done it once. I think I came close. What I would. It's not. Well, what he meant by perfect would just say everything went together just. Yeah. Perfectly yeah. the whole time as well as he, Joe's capable of making a almost mm -hmm. perfect whip. But, but it's like I've had that before, and I'm like, oh, I'd almost like to keep that. <laughs> But now I'm like, maybe I, I may have, I may consider this almost one under my belt. <laughs> and I'll, I'll just pretend and brag about it like, this is the, this is the greatest song in the world. Like, it was there, but I can't remember it. I can't share it with you, you know. <laughs> and I guess it's, the more whips you make and the better you get, that whip that would have been that day been the perfect whip. May it's not just be a mediocre whip. Yeah. Yeah, maybe, maybe. So that's... You know, uh, you know, I think once someone has finally done enough passionate pursuit and study and, and has really sought themselves in their whip making to get so good I think you eventually see the borders that's the best way I can say even though there's a, it's like the chessboard you can see the borders of the chessboard but within the first 10 moves there's over a million variations theoretically now not everyone would logically want any like over half those million because it would be bad play and you'd lose but the thing is in 10 moves there's a million variations so anything you do right now where you work with the opponent the first 10 moves theoretically there's almost a million variations that can happen that's crazy, right? So, yeah. <laughs> just the event, but you can see the borders and you can understand it. Like, what makes a good strategy? What makes a good opening strategy? What may, why should I move out my knight and bishop and get that going so I can castle and do this or have options for castle? And, you know, it's like, why do the, how do the rooks work? I mean, there's a way to look at even whip making where it's like you'll see the borders, like I, what a good fall hitch is, what a good braid is, what a good strand drop is, what a good overall taper is, how the bellies need to come together to make those better, what you should condition and when you should get. I mean, there's so much stuff. You'll eventually. You know, I, I, to me, you know, I'm saying, I, I think, you know, like, the best to explain is I see the, the chess borders, and I can see where my little world is, and I can see where a lot of other people's worlds are, and then I'll never reach that part of the board. So I can spend my whole life and never really get to see the whole chess board, because I'm just a knight on it. But, you yeah. know, I can see enough of the borders, to know, you know, to be like, well, I understand. It's like, I, I do know what I would, well, even if I made what I thought was for whip, like, the, everything came together, the taper, the plat, the braid. Like everything was so smooth on it, it was perfect, but you know, you'd hit it to someone else and be like, oh, it's too light. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, the heel pommel's too small. 
you know, so I mean, it, it, even the fact that it would be like, well, that whip did come together so effortlessly, mm-hmm. and everything seemed to be amazingly perfect. Yeah, it's like yeah. it still ain't perfect for everyone. But people who who don't know what a good whip is and don't know what goes into making, you know, the quote unquote perfect whip, they look at one, you know, and they've never they've never made one before. But they, they look at all those details, but they don't realize they're looking at it. Kind of like when you ask somebody who isn't a musician after they listen to a beautiful song that has all these elements in it. You know, they heard all of that, but when you ask them afterwards, okay, you stop the song, what was this? What made this part so special? They, they, they're observing all those details, but they don't know that they are. I think you know? it's the problem with that. Um, you can't see the tree you're looking at because it's in the forest in front of you. Yeah, exactly. It's like watching Star Wars. You're yeah. really just listening to the music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You know, and I, I think that's a huge one on a lot of it because, like, uh, whether I teach martial arts or, like, I, taught, I, I shared some things that I think were valuable to you today about making whips, and it's like, I, you know, I try to explain that. The thing is, like, uh, or like my whip making eye series, it's all about like, when, well, when I first made a whip, like, I can now show you all the problems with this whip, you know, but it's like when you're new off, it's like before I even started making whips, when I saw the whip, I didn't see anything. I didn't understand I had to look at strands or see if they match or try mm-hmm. to find where a drop was. Like, I never even looked for a drop, yeah. or I never looked to see there might have been gaps, or there might have been overlap or yeah. curl, or there might have been. And I never, I never to this day, out of my first turn of whips, ever once really looked at it. So it's like I had the forest, but I never bothered looking at the individual trees that make that excellent piece. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, until it was pointed out to me, I didn't know it. And so most of these people, you know, that are out there, it's like if it's not pointed out, you don't know it. If certain concepts aren't pointed out, I remember, you know, it wasn't until like my 300 whip where you know, I talked about what happens when you roll a whip, how it transfers the pressure. And like, even though it's been going on for two or 300 whips, I didn't really understand what was going on until Casey mentioned and explained to me. He said, probably by now, because you know, he's several, several hundred <laughs> deep on route at that point, I mean, like maybe a thousand or so. He's just like, by now you probably realize that when you roll a whip, all that pressure rotates to the other side while all the pressure was on the spine. Once you rolled it, it transferred towards the belly. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, I didn't. <laughs> like, in a matter of fact, like I, I kind of, just took it for granted and didn't realize it and just it was happening but I didn't notice that's what happened there or was happening but now that you mention it it's clear as day and I can't believe I never noticed it for 300 whips I made although I was still benefiting from it and using it and understanding it I never realized what happened mm. and that made me understand about why I need to be the guy that makes the, 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 the seam and I need to coil the whips and make it for my customer first so when we hand it it's all lined up even more perfect not that a good braid won't get it perfect but you know about how whip relaxes into itself like when you crack it and you throw it back in your bag if it was seen with straight it may not be because you just put it back in the bag and now that it's been whipped and moves just like a good roll the energy is transferred so if it's laid weird in the bag it's going to freeze weird because it relaxes and, and like it's stiff and it got relaxed out when, or whatever when it got cracked but then it relaxes back into a stiff state wherever it's stored so it's up to the guy who cracks the whip to kind of keep it yeah yeah that's very important to coil up when you're done for sure it up the right direction. Yeah. So, so uh, what's uh, what's a whip if you can make for yourself? You make, Steve. You make any whip for yourself? Just like I want to make myself a whip because I finally just you know like I can and I want one. What would it be? Well, I don't know. I mean, I would love to have uh, a Zora whip. I'd like to have an Indy whip. Uh, you know, I can make all kinds of whips. <laughs> uh, I, I always feel guilty when I keep them. Like I, I really want to, but it's 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 being able to afford to keep that whip, you know. And you, you know, we were talking about it earlier. I 
know, a lot of people are under the impression, oh, you can make your own, you can make your own whip anytime you want. You know, well, and yeah, I guess I could, but yeah. you know, there's there's the the money that I'm going to lose by not selling that whip. Mm -hmm. and, and materials alone, you got to pay for your materials. You got to pay for your materials. There's almost two hundred, depending. And then you're not selling it, so you're 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 basically spending the money that you would have made by selling it on keeping it. So mm -hmm. you know you're you're buying that whip almost just the same as anybody who doesn't make whips. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's just like I'm, I like man, I, I finish a whip and it's not an order; it's just something that I made to, to sell. You know, and it's it's I, mean, I really would like to keep this. It came out pretty good. This mm -hmm. isn't bad. I, I don't have one of these and but then your dryer breaks <laughs> your dryer breaks <laughs> or your lawnmower goes out if something goes out you're like oh I gotta sell it you know, like, I made one I thought I'd keep my birthday and I'm like you know what I haven't made myself a whip so I made it and then I'm like then I got it and I'm like yeah, well, I really wasn't digging the white or the blue and black I made it and I'm like well you know if I sell it I can finally get a PS4 I'm out of game system in 10 years the PS4 sounds like a better it's person present now than my initial you gotta pick your battles <laughs> But you know, it's like I think people, you know, people don't relate to. It's just like, well, like contractors. You talk about how a contractor, man, like he's always fixing everybody's people's house, but at home he's a mess and unfinished sometimes. Not always. <laughs> I mean, that can be the nature of a man. But he's just like, dude, I've been working on people's houses for twelve hours today. So I, I don't, do I don't care that that yeah. cracks in my drywall right now because, like, I you know I'd be passionate my job, but I don't want to get my stuff out and spend thirty, forty minutes for a crack. I don't care about. You know? yeah. Or the mechanic who never gets a chance to work on his project car because he's working on cars all day and he's kind of tired of working on cars. Yeah. Last thing he wants to do is get back under car for another hour you know same thing with those whip makers it's like well, I would make whips all this time like you know if, if I wasn't making whips all day long and I if I could do what I could do right now and I wasn't making whips oh I'd probably make a, I'd make a whip myself every other month maybe or whatever I'm like you know I want a whip to do this I'm like I'm gonna make it you know but you know I don't think I'd ever I like I I always enjoy the idea of making whips that I haven't made or I want to make or dreaming up a new whip or a new concept like I, I have uh, at least 10 ideas I can't wait to make but I haven't found the right machinist to help me out or I haven't had a chance to be like you know what let's make this new product line but I've got some great ones I'm excited about but yeah. you know it's like you know to do that I've got to make sure I, to me to justify it I'm gonna either catch up on orders enough or what I've got to do is, while I'm doing my normal job, keeping up on orders, I have to work overtime <laughs> to try to finish these other models, you know, and things like that. Because it's still, it's like I can only work so much in one day and get so much done. And then my hands can only take so much, too, in certain fashion, too, which I found out yeah. recently. You could look at it this way, though. If you make a whip and you really want to keep it, you can use that whip. You know, it doesn't have to be a 12-foot, you know, 16-plat, but you can make a whip and use it as a you know, a conversation piece to, to strike up with potential customers. You know, you can show them this is what I do and that's the oftentimes other I've made sales doing that before. Well, well that's great, but I, I never, you know, like I just sit out here in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, <laughs> so I've got, I've got no one to show does. it. Yeah, and if yeah. then I'd be like, they're like, like people come over, like, let me see your work. Like, those people do come over, but they don't want to buy it. Like, <laughs> like, that's the thing. My wife's like, you should go to a local, the local towns, like in every town has like a year of festival where they have booths out, you know, and you get your elephant ear. It's not the fair, but you know, they have their like celebration of the town. It's like, yeah. you should do that. I'm like, you want me to spend $400 so I can sit in a booth for a week and not, you know, and hopefully someone will buy one of my whips who I don't know if they brought $700 in cash or $500 or whatever. I'm like, yeah. I'll make some other things if I ever do it. But I'm like, the thing is, this is what the beauty of the internet is. You know, the whole world can get it now because otherwise it's like, you, know, you can't rely on locally. I don't live around cattle ranches or places where you can maybe convince people, look, man, you need to use these whips. This will save you effort and energy what? and keep you busy at night while you're just sitting around doing nothing but, you know, throwing cow chips into the fire. You just got a Halloween night, go to the circle downtown Indianapolis, just start cracking your whip and uh, well, as you know, orders. As you know, like, I wouldn't like, recommend it. You, <laughs> like, I, this is the first year I didn't have an Indianapolis whip me. Did you notice that? Yeah. This is the first year I didn't have one. And I pushed so hard. I, I've spent at least... 
uh, at least three or four hundred dollars a year getting these set up like when I had to run out like some people donate money back but like every time we rented out a gym it was like $150 that day so like some people drop a 20 here 40 I got some of them paid back but it's like I, I spent money to get these going when it was winter you know I did them all through summer and then we're just not getting the numbers to pull out and when you do have someone there like you will get people interested but you're like how much is one of these whips oh well the I could say a cheap four foot or eight plat for like, you know, I can cut your deal on, you know, like 250, you know, maybe, you know, I'll be like, your local guy or, or three, you know, like $300, uh, you know, but that's where nylon can came, come in too. But like, even then they're like $120, like, man, I could buy a whole, to them, their world's like, well, I could buy a whole Xbox, almost get an Xbox for that price. I mean, the, the way they see their lives, yeah, they're just yeah. like, I don't know, I don't need to spend money that's, on that. It was nice seeing you, nut. It was really great to crack wit, and I'm a storyteller, everyone, and that's enough for my life, yeah. you know, and so I think the prices can be a big deterrent, you know, and a lot of those things. So. You know, locally, people coming by and seeing it, you know, I, I don't, you know, I don't, you know, it's just that, you know, that, that yeah. they never seem to work out with all of our Whitney's, yeah. you know, getting yeah. people like jazzed up, like, hey, why don't you come out to the next one? Or it's like, there's, you know, the rarely did people would come up and they did. It was just like, well, that was good for my day. And I'm like, I'm glad I experienced that with you. And then you love them as you say goodbye and you'll never see them again, you know, and yeah. you know, I don't know how to grow the whip world and I'm trying everything. I really think media is the best way while you have done and everyone else out there that's making whips and cracking whips and reaching people that's phenomenal making records but I, I don't know I, other than movies I don't know what's short to get people excited like we need a Katniss Everdeen you know you need, you need, you need, yeah, you need some some teenage girl out there that falls in love with a vampire that has a flail and she has a whip and the next thing you know every girl want a whip on her wall and find little girl the whip roll but until that happens and Edward rescues her from Jacob or whatever you know it just ain't gonna work out man but will every girl want a $600 whip on her wall <laughs> uh, they will if you don't make, have to have it if your parents get it for them. if that movie was made out of a kangaroo leather whip and you yeah. want one with the special little heart encrusted jewel that says Edward on it or something you know You got that one all <laughs> planned out. That's one of my ten. I'm so, kidding. like, uh, what, what's what's your goals here? And <laughs> there's one right there. No, no, uh, well, I, I, you know, I, I've been uh, having to deal with a lot of legal stuff with uh, some of the great orders I've been getting, and I realized that some of my instructor told me years ago, like, uh, like I, I would, I'd come up with something great, some concept or idea that's uh, innovative, and in, in the martial arts, and I'd be like, check this out. And I, I mentioned one thing about it where I told one a, a, a mentor of all of ours about this thing. I just want to share, like, this is so awesome. Check out how I, I just tweak what we've been doing in a way that really gets it done. And he's like, uh, he, he said, you probably shouldn't have done it. He says, what you're doing is you were given a great little jewel to do something with. And he says, but the problem is you showed your sword a little too early. So in other words, you knew you'd have the moment, perfect moment to just slice and tackle it. He's like, you showed your sword to the wrong guy a little too early. Now, he, you know, like, if it was anything, he just took it from you. You know, so like I don't want to really mention too many ideas that anyone could immediately go out and maybe kind of beat me to the punch right now. So, you know, as far as projects, I can't really discuss too many, but I do think there'll be one I'll be able to knock out in the next next month or so. That I, I, you, you guys will see it. You'll know what I'm talking about. But uh, I, I, as far as goals, yeah. period, I don't have any more goals right now except one is I want to get this so successful that, you know, Trinity can grow. And, uh, like, I guess that's kind of a goal, but it's not really a goal for me. I want it to grow so well that, you know, me and Steve can work full-time together. And I'm hoping for the third member one day. I want I want a company so successful that, that we can help other people be able to make whips for their lives. And, and maybe even make for us some, you know, make for us someday. Because, like, uh, when I came up with Trinity, you know, Steve was there on the day. It was me, Casey, Tyler, and Steve. And I guess I never really talked about this, but I talked to you know, recently about him. And, and uh, you know, I'm, me and Steve have been working together ever since the beginning in ways. And you know, we're always talking about, you know, us working full time. We always dream about, like, hey man, we need to show up, work together, and hang out, and just pop in a movie, and just joke around when we make whips and stuff. 
But I was, but when we first started talking about when I was first initially going with it, it was me, Stephen Casey. I'm like, you know what? You know, we haven't seen yet is what I what I've started to create these past few years is the concept was is like how, you know they, the whipmakers are so separate and they they're all there's no one ever near whipmaker. But I'm like, but me and you are here, and then it just happened to be you were just you know you're just three hours away too. But I'm like. I'm like, uh, what we don't have, and, and just like in martial arts, it's like you get better if you have a better kiln to fight with. It, it, it's like if you want to be the best in the area, you better find the best in the area, and you'll know it because you've walked into every academy, every fight club, every BJJ place, and you've boxed or sparred. Or I mean, you've dealt with everyone to know who really is the best of what there. Most people don't do what I would have done. You know, and it's like um, uh, with, with, with this, um, kind of off track here, but 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 I want us, I want us, to, to be able to grow, oh yeah, I want to be able to grow. So to, to, to do this, like, to, to be the best anything, you've got, like I said, you've got to find other whip makers, people. you just got to visit them. You don't have to spend your life with them or do their method, but it's like, you, if you're not around other people doing it that are apparently good, you, you can't get any better. You can only get as good as you can go at your own rate yeah, with nothing yeah. ever changing your course. Just like, you know, you've got a bowling ball going forward, but unless you read a book and turn left or something changes it or you meet another whip maker, it's like the quicker you get with other performers or other fighters or other whip makers, whatever it is you do, you're going to get better because you wait. You spent that day training with someone else, or working, or seeing, or learning from another artist in the field. You like, even if it's guitar, you never played around, seen a good blues guy, that blows your mind, or a picker, a, tra a classic or Mexican wax stringist. You're like, that technique's bad. Maybe you only pick a technique from it, but but you got to be around it. So I was like, what we don't have in the whip world is like three people gung ho that are working and feeding off of each other and growing as a group. And so it's all one mission. It's not just one guy with his own skills and we're always feeding off each other and so when we were talking about whip names it was like there's got to be a name and so Steve uh, I forget if Casey said anything but Steve came up with this he's like three people working together this group is like trifecta and I said nah trinity and right there it was like a mic was dropped and we all knew it because you know we're all big fans of Christ and there was so much behind it but even trinity when I came up with it wasn't oh this is Blake Bruning's trinity it was like no this is the trinity whip co and I'm doing it for a lot of different reasons, but it's not for me, and it's not really to celebrate me. And when I thought of Trinity, it was never about me. It was about me and possibly two other people or more. <laughs> so Trinity was never supposed to me, ever was my thing. It was the thing I'm holding on until I can get the next guy to come in, this, this knucklehead over here, hopefully, and then the next one. You know, and it, it, it wanted to be something to keep going on, and on and on, maybe. And like, I look forward to helping different whipmakers through the years that'll come up and eventually want to be a part of it. And one way, they'll be glad to be like, you know, send me your stuff. You show me you got some chops, man. Every I'd love to toss you in order and help you out if I can use it. But, you know, it's like I want it to be something where everyone can kind of be a part of it and win and win and help other people through it and not just be like, well, I've got, there's like so many whip orders out there and so I better dominate this market and make sure I just catch everything I can and just keep everyone down. I'm like, you know, there are six million people on this planet, you know, and it's like there are so many people and there's so many people that would buy whips, but you don't have the right nets out or have as many nets as you could have to catch all the fish you can, you know what I mean? So it's like there's plenty of whips for everyone. There's no reason to hate or be in competition with each other. You know what I mean? It's like, an, I, I want to see a future where we can all have each other. Like, I try to make that website uh, whips in hand. I spent like $300 getting that, a logo going and getting that website going. I spent $500, and that whole website was not for me. It was for, uh, I thought, well, I have a lot of these different whip makers that want me to help them out, and they're also new. And I remember the struggles I had my first two years. Like, I'll get a website, so if you have a whip that doesn't sell, you can put it on here. And I'll tell you what, if it sells, they said, if you can, pay me 5% of whatever it sells or not. I don't care. And that's what I told everyone. And I did everything to handle the site. And they'd send me pictures. And I'd put it up. And they sold. They made money. Some of them paid me. Some of them did. I didn't care. I'm going to keep selling them. And it was all just to help other people. I put a lot of energy in it. And then it ended up going nowhere. But like, you, like I made that site not for myself. I have my own website going on. You know, like, I've done a lot of things to try to help it out. But I, I see Trinity growing. And my, my main goal is to be able to work, have, to be able to grow more. 
And I think with, with help with Steve also, we can finally push this off together. We can now do more. I can contract. I can actually look for more distributors or uh, and other yeah. things that I haven't been pursuing because one man can only make so many whips at one time yeah. in one day. And I don't want to be a year behind. I like to be able to get all my whips out within, uh, well, right now my current wait time is like a month. And some people I had to say six weeks because I get random large rush orders now that I have to take for stage props or uh, a TV show or, or you know so it's like I have to take it there's no there's no qualms about it like I have to take that gig so I want to get back down where I was always at like two weeks you gotta whip man sometimes I get to you in a week mm-hmm. but it's like uh, I'm getting so behind but I don't want to be where I'm a year behind and I'm like well the work's there you know and, I, and like I think it's just like man we just need, you know I I want to see where it can grow so we can have enough to provide for not only my family maybe his family and I want to see it provide, I want to find a way to help other people provide for their families That's I'd awesome. love to see that in the future That's a very uh very generous and awesome goal. Only if I can help people out. <laughs> only if it goes somewhere. It's all ideals and dreams right now, kid, but let's see what you can do with it. You know? <laughs> Don't tell me, show me. The the physical act of plating, did you guys ever really find joy in it? Plating? Plating. Uh, did, did you ever really like it, or was it more so? What, what do you mean, just by actually pulling a strand, or do you mean decorative you know, building, building a whip. For me, it's I, I'm looking forward to the, after I roll it, there it is, I have that satisfaction of I built this, I, you know. But did, did you ever enjoy, because plating is some, plating, I have oftentimes, you know, said one or the other, but, uh, plating, it's, it's something I never really loved, but it was something I had to get through to get to the end, the satisfaction part. To me, the plating is really what it's all about. I mean, okay. I, well, it's definitely I only what? prep the strands so I can plait them. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And the plaiting is really what makes the whip the whip. Yeah. You know that. But overlay like, that wrapping paper is the most important part. Yeah, yeah. It, it's like Blake was saying. You know, if your strands are a little bit narrow here, your your braiding can compensate for that just on the angle of your pull. You know, so there's a there's a lot that can be made up for with just the, the technique uh, of your plaiting if you've got that technique if you understand it. You know. Mm. You should be able to watch those strands slide into place and see that they slide into place and lie up next to each other. And hopefully, you know, I'm not there yet, but I'm hoping that I can get to the point where I'm just doing it and it's just happening because if I'm so used to doing it right that it just comes out right. Yeah, like uh, uh, muscle you get, you get a rhythm going and you're in the zone. You're, you're in, just the zone. in the zone. Yeah, you're just zoning out. Like I mean, not but not zoning zone out. Like I ain't paying attention. It's just you're so hyper focused in the moment. It's natural. That, like when they say like it is funny thing because I've been in the you know I, I've trained people to get ready for comps. So like the zone, something you talk about. And here's what the zone is. You know the one thing you don't do when you're in the zone. Think about. It. Yeah, you don't think. You don't think about anything. You're 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 so at one at the moment and just able to react because your mind is so free. You don't have a thought in your head. Mm-hmm. But you're not just going out there mindlessly. <laughs> So yeah, you're talking about just naturally being great, you know, going from, yeah, you know, just, just to, you know, you're saying just be in the zone where I don't have to think about this angle or should it be that angle by just looking and moving, you naturally just do that. I think that's what Steve's trying to get at right there. Right. But yeah, I enjoy it. I love that. I think that's just the fun part. Yeah. You know, I don't, there are aspects of it, of wood making that I don't like or I've come to not like. Okay. Mostly the stuff that I'm really not good at, I don't, you know, or, yeah. or that I feel that I need it to improve on, you know. It's just a rub. Um, it just rubs but, you for a while you know, when you some things like new techniques are slower it slows you down and it kind of rubs you a little like oh, I want to do it but oh man it's, it's going to take me twice as long until I get better at it or, or cutting out bolsters you know yeah it's just like a well, prep work well he, Steve about cut his finger off it was almost in half like yeah. through half of it and uh, you know that was on prepping a bolster by hand actually getting something caught or something 
But either way, that's where he's probably like, I don't want to. I don't yeah. want to prop a bolster yeah. my hand again. Every time I do it, all I see is my finger. Flip. Well, after I watched, <laughs> finally <laughs> finishing the job, you're coming back, bolster. You're coming to finish the job. When I saw Joe do it the way Joe does it, and he cuts on the right and holds the razor more away from his hand. I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to prep my strands like that, my kangaroo strands, because they're just narrow enough to deal with. But that big, wide bolster coming out of that, that, dude, that you know, yeah, I'm going to cut it the way he does, because if I slip up and ruin the bolster, I can fix that. But if I slip up and cut my, my finger, finger off, off, you're out for a while. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not finishing <laughs> that whip for a good week. You, you may not finish that week unless someone can come over and help you. Yeah, yeah. That, I'm glad that whip was not in order because it sat for weeks because that, that I had uh, stitches in. How's right it going, by the way, man? It still has the dexterity. You getting more, more movement back, maybe? It's still really stiff. If I if I really, you know, I find that once I, once I plat for a while, inadvertently, I use it more and it limbers up. Or if I pick up my guitar, which doesn't happen very often, uh, the more I play the guitar, the more it'll limber up. But if I just leave it be, it stiffens back up and it's it's it just overall really not showing much improvement. Although you know, I think you know you people people have an injury and they go to physical therapy and that's really what those things are: plaiting whips and playing the guitar for that injury is a form of physical therapy it improves the injury and forces that finger to do things that it doesn't want to do because of the injury but i don't have enough interest anymore really in, in playing the guitar to pick it up often enough to to, to make a difference so you can get your hand back to full shape on the guitar right yeah i don't think i don't see that happening because i don't really have that desire i have to get back to training like an olympian i'm too busy making lips which is really where my passion lies anymore and i find that that finger doing that I just gotta try not to slice it up again I mean that happened so fast it was over before almost before I even knew it's it it's like a car wreck when you do that it's like, like you go through your head and like it's in slow motion you're like how can I do that I'm yeah, so stupid no, and like, like if, uh, you know you replay it like I could easily seconds. avoid it but you can't mm -hmm. yep, you know yep, yep. if I could just have that tenth of a second back, <laughs> if I could just have, use yeah. my brain for that one second I didn't you know. yeah I got this resizing strand resizing jig that it's really dangerous actually because it has a an exposed blade all the time. Oh, did you reach back and slice yourself? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I did. Just careless, you know. I was tired. I was working. And That's another problem I had that night was it yeah. was late and I was tired. Yeah. And I was, but the thing was back to the plaiting. It was just it was that whip was one of those whips where the braiding was it was just happening. I wasn't struggling with anything. Yeah. I wasn't, I, was I wasn't concentrating was on one of the best whips you made, like best whip you ever made at that point. So well, I, I wouldn't say that. It did end up being a little bit on the heavy side for my taste, but as far as just the braiding in general, was I, was, I, was in, I was enjoying it. I was in the zone and I'm like, I'm going to keep on going because man, I could knock this out tonight. And I did. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember walking into the walking into the immediate med care, you know, and the, the, the guy saw me holding my finger all wrapped up, and he smiled, and he said, what'd you do to yourself? <laughs> I'm like, oh, God, here we go. Yeah, good times. Now, Joyce Myers, I know this is up. She, she's a, she's this uh, Midwest preaching woman. You know, she's like one of the higher ones up, but she was talking one time on this uh, story. She's talking about how her husband were just kind of goofy, you know. It's like, one they played, they were playing tag. One, like, they play tag. They get something happened, they end up playing tag. And like he said, he was chasing her around and she came around the corner and went, we was going to go right in the garage and it realized that it was halfway down so she hit her face on it and yeah. they took her to the emergency room and he said like after it was all going on they're trying to explain no 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 it was just a game of tag because you know, they're kind of you know not hillbilly but they're a little hickish you know and then they pulled her aside and said look 
you need to really tell us what really happened. They're like, look, if you're in trouble, you need to let us know. Right, we'll make right. sure that, that he can't touch you from this right. moment on. Like, they weren't believing They tell didn't us. believe the story that they were just playing tag. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you were just, you're like 40 something years old, <laughs> running around playing tag, and you ran around the garage and just hit your face on a half down door. Right, you know. <laughs> That reminds me of a while back. I, I had some intestinal, some, some digestive system issues, and uh, basically was in the hospital and thought I was dying. Like it was bad, and uh, I can remember they started asking me these questions while my wife's right there in the room asking me, "Do you feel safe at home? Is everything okay at home? Are you having any problems?" And I'm like, "Look, if my wife wanted to kill me, we've got a load of 357. You know what I mean?" <laughs> Yeah, I feel safe at home. Figure out what's wrong. So they thought she was poisoning you? They, well, that's they just, it's they protocol, up, huh? undoubtedly, when somebody comes like, in. Have you seen the bad. two Mrs. Carols with Humphrey Bogart? I think she's Humphrey Bogart. <laughs> like, like I'm not rich. She doesn't have any reason to kill me, man. I'm, I'm, I'm helping take care yeah, of her. They, they, they will not benefit her at no, all. It'll no. make her, her life half as bad. Yeah, she would be dealing with those kids on her own. No, nobody wants that. You know, uh, you know, you're discussing about like what what parts you you look forward to or not look forward to, and, and yeah. uh, you know, I well, I've only been on this block for for like four and a half to five years. Um, what I have accomplished in that time, as far as making, I've mean, been with Whips for over you know ten years, but what I've accomplished and how much I've made, like I'm on six hundred and some, six fifty right now in four and a half years. It's a lot of whips, and, and I'll knock out another hundred before the year's over. You know, maybe more. And it just, I've, I've, I've accomplished so much more than I think anyone's ever done in four years, thankful to all the help I've gotten from people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry, I just got distracted off that one. Oh, but like through, through this now, I, I believe I, I, I would actually, like through this process, I was like, what are signs you could say that make you a whip maker? And one of them was like, we t I talked about, was like, well, that elusive dream to try to make the most perfect whip, even though you know it's impossible, you still believe the next whip you're going to make will be perfect, you know? Yeah. Like the things I got. Well, I realized hating to do certain things, and I want, and I realized that's a, that's a roadmap that it's now a job to you and your whip maker. Now it's not so much that you are a whip maker, but like I would say, I'm struggling with what I call being a professional whip maker, like because it's now more of a job than it's just. I really can't wait to do this on my hobby every day. I got to spend eight hours or more making whips instead of, you know, when I get my free time, I'll do a little hour here, a few hours there, and oh, you know, when I'm not yeah. hanging out with my friends. And I and I slowly start hating things like I buy poppers from uh, Michelle. Uh, Michelle Kane is Joe's sister's. Uh, is Joe's sister? It's I think it's her younger sister. His one of his her older sister also used to make poppers for him. But uh, Kane's poppers, no. it's Kane's poppers, or Kane's crackers. Which is Kane's poppers though. Uh, she was Kane's crackers, but when she tried to get on Facebook, Facebook. yeah, crackers no. wasn't allowed for a reason. You know, which is funny. So, like, you know, I think she went by Kane's Poppers. But anyway, uh, I love her crackers, and, and uh, I've been using them. But see, Stage Props use them. I think Paul Mullen uses them. I use them. Joe uses them. And, and when it comes down to a whip, and I, I, my whole my whole essence is to make that best whip I can. And when I'm done, last thing I want to do is have to cut out and prep a fall or deal with a cracker. Spoil so them. I would rather buy them from her because she makes a superior product, in my opinion. And, and I'd rather bless her and her life and what she's got a blessing for and saves me the time. Because it's worth it to me to spend a dollar on a cracker and not have to spend a few minutes doing that. Because I can already just tie it on, move on, and I'm ready for the next step. And same thing with falls. Like, I'd rather cut 100 falls out every time I have falls. And then I'll just select through them when I'm making a whip, which one I think, due to however thick and thin it is or how long it is, 
whether it worked better on a four foot or an eight foot or an indie versus this. So like I have a bunch to choose from, but like if I had it like, oh no, it's time for the fall. Like if I did every step of the whip that you actually made it in order the way you would make it, it, it would take longer and drive me crazy. So it's like, I, I do have a lot of things I'll do that you take care of massively so you don't have to deal with it when you're there. Because the last thing I want to do is make a fall. I want that fall. I don't want that cracker. I don't want to be ready to roll it. Get ready for the knots. I'm going to slack this because it's out the door, you know. But through this process, I have learned to slowly hate different things. You see, if I had an apprentice, like, you know, you could actually have that dream slave, you know, an apprentice. Like, I would make him make crackers, falls, and wrist loops all day long. While Steve over here loves making wrist loops. I, I like, love no, no. I love it. I'm not good at him, but I love I Oh, love he's good. good. He's good at I, I, He's good. But, I like, I don't like to make those. Like, I will make them, but, you know, I will, and I try to make a good one, but it's just like, I'd rather just not have to do that. But, but I, over time... Like, you, because you're doing it every day, each process now at one point has been what I hated to do. So now it's been like, I don't want to prep the belly. It's just like, oh, the one thing I was like, oh gosh, I just don't want to cut out a core and have to put it on. I just don't want to tie it to the handle. It's like each little step has drove me nuts. And it's like Steve's come over and helped me before, and I'm like, that's right. He can make all the cores for me, then I'll just do the overlay. And I'm like, that's great, because I can't stand doing that anymore. And then, but then it'll be like, gosh, I don't want to braid an overlay. The last thing I want to do is cut another overlay, because I've done so many of them. It's like, I've actually learned to hate every process at different times, and yeah. then now I know I've come full circle because I've hated the whole process at one time. Okay. <laughs> Where I'm almost what was like, going to ask. Yeah, I'm almost like, that's it. I just like, I don't want to go to work. It's like, this. I just don't want to go to work today. Is what it really boils down to for me, you know. Do you feel like kind of because of the fact that you've been fulfilling orders, and do you think that's kind of taken a toll on your your joy of whip making? Like, do you think because well, my whip cracking's now um, it wouldn't be non-existent, but it's pretty much non-existent um, because in Indiana, you know, I, I don't always, you know, like I would always have a gym or a dojo where I get to crack a few hours of work, but I've been getting into roping, so sadly I've not really cracked whips at all in eight months since or nine months since I've been roping. Mm -hmm. But uh, I can't even rope because I'm my hand is getting worn out so much from all this extra plating because I'm on a, I'm on hyper overtime right now that I can't even rope or crack whips I wanted to, I don't have the hand strength. So like I can't even, which originally got me into it was to make a whip as close as I could to Joe knowing Joe's retiring. So I, so I could crack my whips, <laughs> which I now own only maybe two or three of my work, which was the whole initial focus of me making whips was so I could finally have a just, if I can't get a just straight whip, what am I gonna do? I need something at least, in my vision, what I see is what I love about Joe's, make happen in a whip. You know, so like there, like there are other people like, no, that's what make Joe's whips good. But no, it's like this is what I see, and you know, I don't see other make maker really getting that feel. And, and I've kind of changed it up. Like I don't really make them as like I wanted Joe's to be because I found my own way a little bit. But you know, <laughs> but like I, I've uh, you know, being a full time job, like I don't hate it right now. Don't get me wrong, people. Like I'm thankful every day I get to do anything, and that I and I want to get better, and I keep striving to grow, and I want to do things. But it's just that there's so much more to it now. Like right now, I'm running a restaurant. And uh, I'm not just the owner who's trying to figure out how I'm going to pay my bills and keep my inventory going. I'm an owner who also has to cook the food and be out there to serve the food and get the food. For it. It's like I'm doing every part of the job. So like, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. so much going on right now. It's like to be a full company. It's like, well, I'm a one man show right now, doing the work of three people almost. And it, and then like, you know, my I, my website. I, I for the first time ever, I haven't touched my website in six months. I've got in stock whips. I need to really help out on some people that like uh, Bob Standwich sends me whips to help you know to help them out and then I'll post them and they, they sometimes they'll sell fast sometimes they take a while but I have four whips and sadly and I'm sorry Bob if you're in this it's been like a month and I haven't got them up there I'm going to try my best in week but I've been so busy with all these other things I have free time trying to catch up on orders catch up on other things I mean 
you know, like I, I ran out of skins. I ordered skins. I got to talk to this crazy Filipino lady that can't even speak English. It's a hassle. It's like a 20-minute phone call just to say, get me what I got last night. You know, and I love the lady, but it's really our doctor. But it's like, that takes time. Or, or I'll get paid with the check that I have to go to the bank to. It's like, there's, you, know, you got to ship. Like, one day, I, I spent all day. Like, I'm like, okay, wake up. I'm going to box. I'm going to box these seven whips that I got sold. You know, and I'm like, and then I'm going to get some work done. But I had to go teach martial arts team. And by the way, after like five or six hours, I finally got everything boxed up and signed right. And the documents were I'm like, great. Well, I guess I don't get any whip making done. So, you know, it's like there's so much other time involved with so much. I just think you make a whip and it goes. Like, well, there's a lot to it. I also want to make, I make, I give out complimentary packs. I don't let people know that, although I guess it's kind of my MO. But like, I want them to know there's a little surprise of leather conditioner and some extra poppers in there for them. And depending on if I don't trust the fall material, I'll give them a second fall. You know, because it might be a brown... I've been having a hard time finding brown hide, so if you get a brown hide fall, I might throw a white hide with it or some other fall with it, so if that one does snap off, you got another one to replace it with. You know, but like I, but that takes time to make and catch, and then I've got to also reorder those. Like, i got to go buy crackers, you know. But it's like, I don't just... You know, like, if I go buy crackers, I don't just buy one, I buy 200. So, like, you know, there's like, you know, three, you know a couple hundred dollars to crackers out of buy just to give away for you guys, you know, to give away a complimentary, but it's like, that takes time, and then I have to get those funds out. I mean, there's just so much funds from this skin to cow skin to kangaroo to unique parts with all the stuff I make there's so much I'm tackling where it's like sure. I, it's kind of hard to be the owner and manage everything and be the cook and be the server and say you know greet them at the door sometimes and you know like a lot of people call me and I'll be ready to get work done but I'll have a 45 minute call which I love but that just you know it, it just now took my cook away and my server away and the manager's gone because right now I'm on the phone with you know whoever and, and, and you know it's just all part of it but it, it's getting so uh, not really overwhelming but I, I'm getting to the point where I'm getting very stretched. Another reason why I want to see, I want, I want Trinity to grow. Like, I can't grow if I don't do more, but when I do more, I have to continue to grow. Because the, the funny thing is, life, the physical world, nothing's permanent. The only permanent thing in the physical world is that uh, change. And change isn't a permanent thing, but change is the only permanent thing in this physical world. But, you know, you have to change. You know, you can't always be who you were or the way things were. And you got to start figuring out what you do want to be and who you are and go with it so it's like you know and that, I think that's the reason why I don't know we're backtracking but that's I think it's the reason why they're afraid to make that kangaroo commitment you know I mean that money's a lot to them what, what, to me that money what I see in that hand is to see $120 that could change their lives because I'm me but what they see is I have $120 which is really tight right now because I'm barely getting by paying my bills and my car payments and all this and I mean you know if I have $120 that, that takes me from taking my kids to Chuck E. Cheese once this month or me and my wife going to a movie that takes two date nights away I mean it's like that's a lot of money for them you know so but like I see it as that's your seed and see the thing is they actually have a seed you know if what, what's in your hand isn't your harvest it's, it's your seed to give to someone else you know and sometimes I think they'll hang on to what, what that seed is not realizing that that's not their harvest that's just the seed and if you would have done it you would have had a harvest because they could take that 120 if they did a decent job be glad to get that 120 back maybe make 80 bucks on it now they can make two they take that skin and buy those two or three skins now they make two whips I mean you could use a cash cow and pyramid yeah. that and grow you know and I see nothing but one like what do you see when you see a seed do you see the seed do you see it's an apple seed or do you see an apple tree or do you see the apple forest that would happen because after that tree came to fruit and you spread those seeds, you see a whole forest and, a, and you can spend the rest of your life selling apples now. But all that can happen from one seed. But to me, people see the seed as the harvest and they wonder like, how am I gonna get better? And it's like, well, maybe it's not hanging on to what you got. You gotta let it go. Because if you can't let go, you can't open your hand to grab something better. Sure, that's a good analogy. Yeah. Off on a tangent there, sorry boys. No, you're good. You're fine, you're fine. 
So enough about me. Let's talk about. Let's have Steve thoughts. Steve, what do you think about me? <laughs> you're in for a penny. You're in for a pound. I go full tilt, man. Don't I, stop. I don't do. I don't. I don't change much, but or do something. But when I do something, like I you said you're, earlier, you were like, okay, you know, Steve was, Steve's been, you know, from the beginning, you know, and it's like I remember when when meeting you and you were a whip aficionado you had a lot of whips and you were really good at cracking a whip and I didn't I wasn't even really good at cracking a whip I was just obsessed with trying to make them you know and I was you know when I met Blake really uh, uh, at that point I had made my third kangaroo whip third or fourth kangaroo whip and uh, but how many vinyl or nylon or oh I, I don't know I, know I made seven or eight vinyl whips two or three nylon whips you know and I did make one cowhide whip although does that include your first belt First, the first belt, belt. <laughs> yeah, that became that became the, the, the initial core out really of the first vinyl whip is what that what that turned was out. Was. Yeah. But, so uh, does that count as two whips? Did you ever add that as two whips? No. You made one whip. I don't count that as any Call it two whips. No, my whip count is only kangaroo whips that I've made. I don't include any of the vinyl or nylon because a lot of those vinyl whips I, I think it's important though. I didn't even I, finish those whips. Because my have fall what, hitches on them. My most, what I think is most impressive about you is the vinyl whips. Like, to me, I'm like, you're just like a diabolical madman genius scientist locked in a basement. It's like, I don't have kangaroo, but I found vinyl, and I'll get my skills one way or the other. Like, I just see it as like, who would be so bold or crazy I can remember. to grab vinyl at Joanne Fabrics? Like, honey, get me some vinyl. I'm going to figure it out. Like, to me, like, I would never be able to do it. If I didn't get a shadow you at all that first day, I would not be here. And I even told you, you know, like, when I came out. Because I made a whip from whip kit, and I'm like, I'll never make a whip again. And I'm like, if I couldn't see someone do it in front of me, like, I'm like Taskmaster master from uh, Marvel. Like, if you do it in front of me, oh, I can do it. But if I can't see it in front of me, I don't care how many videos you got, but I would never have done what you did. I never would have done what you did, Nick. Get on the internet and search like that. Like, you guys, to me, are the whip-making badasses and, and original because you went on your own no matter what you had to look and find. You guys sought it out. Like, I'm the one that needed, it, needed my faithful uh, instructor, Steve, over here, so I could have made a whip, but I never would have made a whip. Uh, dude, if you took, if you took, the, I got a vinyl whip at home right now. It's, uh, I think, the second one, the first one I trashed. But the second one, I've got at home. If you took that whip apart, you would find that I did everything ass backwards. The core goes the complete length of the whip. The first belly goes to about three quarters of the length of the whip, and so on and so forth. And the second belly is the shortest part of the underbelly of the whip. Okay. And then the overlay just, and I think and, I've and done dude, that when too. when the strands stopped, I didn't. Tape or anything, I'll just cut them. Cut them, yeah, 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 yeah. Tied them on there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Everything was lashed. I remember yeah. taking that stupid core that was eight feet long for that whip, a section at a time, and rolling it up as tight as I could, and trying to wrap binding around it to hold this together. Yeah. Oh my gosh! And the whole thing tapered. It was one big long strip of vinyl that tapered out to a point. You know, it was. It's just like. Good but Lord. see, that's I had what, No idea what. But else. see, that that's what that's what I'm I, like. That's what I'm impressed with. The fact that either one of you guys just grabbed random items and put them together and made a whip in the first place, and you didn't have some Nick Schrader showing you how to do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, I mean, you kind of had Bernie, but you made a whip without seeing Bernie at that point, right? Or it was Bernie on the first. And either way, it's like you yeah, barely had much. You know, and you guys had to just figure it out. Like you know, like Steve just like I can probably do a four braid. I figured this out. Give me four random straight. And like you didn't know how I was made, but he went for it. And like to me, that's novel. See, the funny thing is, I can remember seeing Bernie the video where he shows how to start a sixteen plat diamond braid. 
and this was before I had tried to make anything, but I was going through the obsession phase for sure, as far as just being obsessed with whips. And I was watching this video, and, and I'm looking at all these strands hanging off and how he's working them out ahead of time and pulling through, and I'm just like, there is no way yeah, I yeah, am yeah, ever yeah. going to even try that. That looks like an absolute nightmare. Like, I could see yeah. people dying and going to hell, and that's what they're <laughs> hell they make you do every They're day. Satan going, all right, here's a 64-plat handle. When you're done, it has to look like this one. Yeah. Every time I would go, see some go. A picture, <laughs> right. every time I'd see a picture of, of what I would see, you know, point of view of the whip maker, where they'd have their hand on it, and they'd have all those strands sticking out of the side and this big fat core, mm. all I could see was a lobster. Yeah. They look like a freaking lobster, <laughs> like all these legs jagged out and this freaking fat core that they're holding for the yeah. meat or whatever. And like, I, that's what I, I, I like, that's confusing. I literally, all I could see was yeah. lobster. Yeah. But like, if I didn't go to, if you didn't let me come out that day, so graciously let me into your home, you know, and there was a stranger other than an email and, and just show me what you showed me, man, I wouldn't be here today. I, I wouldn't have done it. And I, that week off and you accepted it. So my life was forever changed and I'm ever beholden for you for just letting me into your house that one day. I, I, I did. I couldn't. It was. Uh, it's hard to. It's hard to describe what I saw. I mean, you were. You, you're. You were Blake Bruning about going about it. You were just yourself. And what I mean by that is, he had absolutely no fear, whatsoever, of completely ruining that hide. He didn't care. I, he was like, "Here's." I'm like, "Here's basically what I do when I cut." And I had my Dean Williams Strander. I believe at the time it might have been the Aussie Strander, but I don't think it was. I don't think it was. But. Um, I, I, I was using the gauge. You didn't have to do finger tracks, whatever you did. But well, we only got through the bellies too. Right, but but Blake just was like, you know what? He was like, the the, the end goal is to use a blade. That's just the way I'm going to start. Mm -hmm. And he just jumped in and started cutting, man. I, I I'd be the last person in the world to think that he he would be where he is right now. Mm. Back then, I I just it's it's hard to see. It's hard to imagine. I mean, you know, it's hard to believe what 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 he's done. You know what I mean? Like, from being a dude who, you know, he told me himself. Especially, he, you saw the first lesson. Yeah, like, <laughs> you, like, you, you were there. You saw the first lesson. It is kind of. He told me himself that, like, he had bought a whip kit, this this stock whip kit, I think it was, and tried to put it together and just was so frustrated with it. He was never had any interest in making a whip at all. And then, so, yeah, to see him go from being that guy who was just a guy who liked to own and crack whips to being, you know, the go-to guy for anybody who wants a whip and wants a good whip and wants a good whip in a relatively short amount of time. Yeah, I never I never thought of it too much about your point of view until about the second year when you mentioned that to me and I forget how you would usually tell that story you're just like when you the first thing <laughs> like everywhere you phrase it be said when I when I showed you what to do and I saw you just throw that skin on the floor and just get on the floor and he put did. that blade through and cut through it. You jumped right down on your knees <laughs> on the carpet and like, okay, let's just I'll try it. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I saw it once, I'm just gonna do it. And like he started cutting and the only way I could say it, I'm just thinking the whole time, like, this is not for you. Yeah. <laughs> so he, <laughs> this he is not went through his head. You it. are not going to excel at this. I'm not gonna He even say told that his wife that, that, didn't she? Like later on, he even told his wife that, right? I probably he I was, was like, just like, you know man, what, man, I, that I was, guy that came out, but, man, this is I not was something just, he should be doing. <laughs> no, yeah, like yeah, dude, you <laughs> are gonna fine. waste and ruin so much material that could actually be turned into a good whip that why? Why would you do that? You know what I mean? It's just gonna be a crime it's like killing a unicorn <laughs> <laughs> shouldn't do that but look what happens i mean now this <coughs> is just freaking everywhere and you've made some absolutely beautiful whips man I, I, there was one you posted well the clock's right twice a day right boys 
What's that? The clock's right. A broken clock. No, but seriously, man. You know, the, there was a whip you posted a while back. I don't know if it was one you made for Todd or something. I know Todd had something to do with it. Maybe he commented on it or something. It was just a whip that had, you know, the ferrule, a nice ferrule with the firm buckles by Jackson, and then you had some really nice knots on either side of it, and then I think it had a concho on it as well, and then the Zorro handle braid, and it was just like, good Lord. It was whiskey, I think. I want to say it was either Probably whiskey or South Hand. If it was whiskey, or it had brass, brass ferrule. But it was just like, good night. That whip is absolutely freaking gorgeous, man. You know, like I never would have thought at that day, watching you cut that first belly that first time, that, that that would be something that you would just crank out and not use any gauges or gadgets or anything like that. Or well, much measuring either. Like a like a <laughs> like a razor blade, yeah. That's awesome. I, I just use my body for it. It's so crazy. Yeah. Oh, I, oh, I showed the guy was here's how I cut out a belly and attach a core and the belly to the handle and we went through the braid the braiding process we grabbed the back strand that first bolster drove me nuts I couldn't get oh the well you know, and looking doing. back I was I was showing him really incorrectly I was showing him what I was doing at the time which is which is maybe what David Morgan did but uh, it should have ex- like like you know how you well what do you, what what you do to help a diameter like okay this will help you guys out if you're whip makers so. Uh, there's different ways to make a core, and I'm not going to go into too much detail, but say, uh, like some people will just have the spike or the nail be flush, and then I guess try to make something, and you know, you can glue it to the tip, I mean, there's a book where they talk about it, but the thing is, the, the your nail spike comes to a point, and so that nail tapers down, so when you start putting leather on it, well, no matter what, you have a significant taper down, right there where that nail spike is. So if you braid a belly over it, well, there's still that immediate taper off the nail spike or, or spring steel. Everybody with me, I hope, right? right? So then it's like, well, if I just add another belly, it's still there, and another belly, it's still there. So the first bolster, which was, was Steve was doing it, is you attach that and butt that up to where that steel spike tapers over your first belly. So now that fills in that gap, and it's all smooth, and you want to attach it more around like that transition area. It doesn't need to have that first bolster cover your whole handle. Right. And, and, but he, you know, we, there was no splitters in those days. We, I didn't use a splitter for my first year or so. You know, so like there was no way to taper it so that it would really smoothly hook. So he just had it like backed up like uh, maybe a quarter of an inch or an inch. He just wanted enough where he was using it also to give it kind of like a flare, right? I think at the time. But either way, I like, it, this is how stupid I was. Like I, I, I was trying to get it like right there, like, ah, gonna lash it down that one little only. You know, which I've got to attach this down, and I could never keep it, and kept pulling off, and I couldn't pull it tight enough. And I did it like three times in a row, and about drove me crazy. And I had Steve do it, and like he had this silly screwdriver, which I kept for a year. And he's like, "Here's how I wrap my sinew around this stubby screwdriver, which yeah. I couldn't even wrap around." And he's had me tie it and shove it through the hole. Like now he's that PVC pipe, but it was mine. I mean, and I accidentally took that home and had it for a year before I ever got it back to him. I hated that stubby too. <laughs> but either way, it's like I couldn't do it. But like, if he would have had it go a little farther on the handle or had it tapered, what would have been beautiful? But it was just that the way I couldn't, and I couldn't even think like, well, why don't I just move it back another quarter inch? I could still do what he asked, but like, it's like I couldn't even conceive of just sliding a little farther down See, to even help me do the way he was doing it. But like, that drove me nuts. That part, as I recall, we weren't having yeah. problems with the first bolster coming off. We were was with me. Problems. No, no, it was with me doing it. I could not get that first bolster attached. Like, I could not tighten it up and pull it because I'm trying to tie it one at a time. But either way, I just couldn't do it. I'd go, ah, and then it'd pop right off. Ah, I'd pull the braid. It'd pop right off. Like, ah, I'm wrapping around. And, and it was like, that drove me nuts. 
I, d I do seem to remember us having problems with the core pulling off of the end of the handle because that was back before I was wrapping the core around the entire handle. Was that what it was? It? Oh, that's what it was. It wasn't the it first bolster. Off the handle. It was yeah. the core, wasn't it? That right. drove me nuts. And we, you kept, we kept starting to braid the belly. Yeah, I'd pull the and sucker that, off. That core would yeah. come off the handle again. Hmm. Yeah, so like, so yeah, so instead of him putting a core over the whole thing, he just tried to lash around like the inch or like an inch off the nail. But either way, well, it, because it's just that one inch or whatever half inch I had, and I couldn't it'd pull right so. off. Now, right, right. but if you make that the canvas and cover the whole handle, well, anything else will grip to it. But I don't have it yet. And the plating soap and I couldn't lash well on this first day. Yeah, it's like, well, for me, it was terrible. You know, we all grow. Humble <laughs> <laughs> beginnings. We had to start somewhere. That's crazy. It yeah. is pretty mind-boggling what God did and what I believe Jesus did with Trinity and everything he's done to just open doors and put the right people in my place to learning the right lesson at the right time to, you know, but I've, you know, he's shown me so many great things and, I, and it's a nice vision I want to bring, bring out, but it's like, but I've also had to uh, sacrifice so much, so much time, energy, um, uh, I've taken, you know, I've helped people out so much to get whips that I've taken hits just to help people. <laughs> you know, it's like I've, you know, it's not like I'm charging some giant price all the time and just rolling in this cash. I mean, I, I'm constantly sacrificing, you know, from a lot of things just to get it done. But, oh man, but because I've done that, it's just been amazing this, what has happened. And I'm just so thankful and humbled by what he, what he has done. And I, I just can't wait to see this grow to help others. I just want to see it grow, man. I want this guy right over here to be able to work full time with making because, man, he hasn't even scratched the surface since he's never. Steve's never been able to go full time. It's always every every moment when I get home from work where I can put a couple hours into it or three or four that I'm up to or on the weekends when I have his days off, he's making whips. Well, you and know? to a degree, that's nice. It's to a degree, it's nice because because I am not swamped like you are with with just this ma massive amount of stuff that you've got to get done and people you know waiting and wanting you know which is cool because that's you know that's what you want but all so it feels that, that 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 that's that's another thing it's like that's part of a job where you don't think about it, but when it's a job it's like man i gotta constantly keep producing i gotta hit it out in time like i don't want to leave this guy waiting longer but i still have probably the best for, for what who i am and what i make i'm probably still got the best times of anyone else out there but it's like i want to get back to where joe man joe could do it I really had to wait more than two or three weeks for Joe, and that was what always blew my mind. Yeah. And, and and I want that, like I want to give that to people too, because like I remember waiting for a whip. And that's one thing that always drove me for good customer service and to get things done fast and to employ Joe's methods because it's the fastest methods and to do all this stuff in a high skill so that you know you don't have to wait, but it's like, I'm gonna be able to get that to you. Like if I get a whip done, it don't sit in my shop until I decide to go to the post office. I go to the post office that day and if I can't because it's closed, first thing in the morning, I. I like I don't want people because I remember when I was like waiting for a whip, you know, like if it got delivered and he sent it, but he sent it on Friday and, they, and so it got stuck in the local place. And I not only wait the weekend but two more days. I'm like five days, no, you know. It's like it almost tell me it wasn't done. Just to show up on my it's door. Like Christmas you know? morning. Yeah, yeah, you know, it, 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 like I don't want people to crack like that. Because <laughs> and I, I appreciate that. That's what I love. I remember I, I hate waiting. And I get a whip, like waiting on those whips you brought over. Those stock whips were which were killer. Man, they're killer, and, and like I, I hate to wait on. Like I don't even want to wait on those. I get like Adams finally made me a whips again, and like oh I can't wait to get them again and try them. It's like I, I won't, you know, I, or Peter waiting for Australia is, is, is that's even more mind numbing because it's just like it's going across the ocean. What what could happen? You know, it's just like they may not make it. You know, my babies, my babies, and then they'll get here, and for some reason, some custom guy decided to charge me one hundred and eighty dollars. 
<laughs> well, that and if you're talking about Thorndike, you probably waited a fair amount of time while it was being made. Yeah, once it was commissioned, just because you know it's he, Peter Thorndike. Yeah. What is Peter waiting on? Uh, I just I don't know, but I'd say it's around four to five months, give or take. And yeah. and but you got to realize, so uh, uh, his wife Shaz, Peter and the Shaz. I love that. That should be the name of a, a remake of a '70s like cop movie, Peter and the Shaz. Peter and the Shaz. I believe his wife's name is Sharon, right? And he calls her the Shaz. But I love, I, but Shaz is great, but like she, uh, there's some miracles happened in their life where she was stricken with this condition, and a miracle happened where him and her prayed and they weren't even near each other, and she was cured of it, and she could walk again a lot better. But either way, she broke her foot recently too, and so he had to kind of, he has three boys, and so he had to not only take over the whip making, but she had her leg, like ankle, like snap. So she's been bedridden for, for like at least a month and a half there. So that even slowed up his orders too. He's like, well, I couldn't go to this show or that show, which I normally plan to, because it's like, I can't, because her leg's broken. And I have to watch three kids and I can't keep up on my orders. And makes, because when he makes something for a show, it's not usually a sell. Although it might've been here and there. It's like, he has to make make that amazing award-winning whip on the side <laughs> when he's not working. So it's yeah. just like, you know, it's just, it's, it's time. You can only do so much. And like I said, three boys and, you know, having to help take care of Shaz when she's bedridden or, just whatever. I mean, having three kids is, is insane. You know, I remember Casey would always get on me and Steve, and, and he didn't have a kid at that point. And he was just like, what did you guys do today? And because my job was teaching martial arts, and I'd get a good six hours during the day and work late at night when I got back, you know, I'd be like, well, I got this done or that. And he's like, he's like, oh, yeah, well, I got this done, but he has no other job or no other kid, and, you know, his wife is unemployed. And he'd be like, well, I got this and this done, you slacker. And what about you, Steve? He's like, yeah, well, I haven't done anything since I talked to you in four days because I've been working, you know. Right. My, my boss has got me on salary. And so even though I should only be working eight hours, he'd go and make me make 12 or 13 or he'd fire my butt. And now I got home, I had to see my three daughters at least once a day and see my wife and eat and take a shower. I don't have time for nothing else. By the time I do all that, he's like, you're just a bunch of slackers. And then I'm like, dude, we have three daughters, which is another irony. Another thing that just made God put us together is, is like we both have three daughters and they're all similar ages like that's that's nutty we both have three girls but it's like you know people don't know what it's like every kid and three kids i mean a wife and three kids or three daughters you know i mean there's kids with bigger families and the families have to help out but you know it's like casey didn't have any of that so it's like yeah you can work from get up until you decide to go bed and if you want you can wake up in the middle of the night and work again you don't you know, it's like you're not you don't have to worry about their food or their clothes or, <laughs> or take care of them or teach you know it's like you know it's like then when you finally got a kid you kind of realize that but you know, it's like everything takes time. So it's like, yeah, Peter's not only trying to make whips for a lot of people with a big background or make, you know, it's like he's also now take care of, he's got three boys and now that his wife was injured, well, he's got to take care of three boys and her. I mean, that's just, it's going to slow you up for a while. But Pete's amazing. Pete is, Pete is pretty amazing, man. I love yes, Peter. I love Peter so much, man. He's got a really, wow. really good sense of humor. Yeah. And me and Steve been on a personal chat with him for, on, on Facebook, like a private one for like, several years now and and I you know we got you on there Nick and I put we got Frank on there but we but but man for that some of my best laughs I've had in four years is with Steve and Peter those memes man like we may not be able to talk to each other for two months because it just doesn't line up but then like something will happen and and we just managed to both be able to spend a half hour and we will just trade jokes back and forth and I think I'm a pretty uh, I was gifted with the ability to talk and be creative verbally and I think, you know what, there's no way they can beat my jokes. And then I swear, <laughs> I have not beat Steve or Pete once on the greatest meme off or joke off. They cap it every time. It's insane. Remember the whole wombat joke? Yeah, you name it. Yeah, it's just insane. Like, there's so many great ones. There's so many great ones. But, like, it's so fun to just build a joke around those guys. Like, we, we get along so well. 
And that's the beautiful thing about the internet now. Like, uh, like I like Skype was all you had originally, but now Facebook Messenger is even easier. Just the same as Skype, where you yeah. video chat yeah, people yeah. Or, or talk. So like uh, me and Chief, or me and uh, Pete found this chess app. So like last year we probably spent we spent at least fifty hours in like one month where we'd get together and sp- like every night we played like thirty minutes of chess with each other and we could play on our phone like touch the piece and move it but we were talking on messenger so we were just sitting there talking for hours while we're fighting and talking trash chilling chess and it's like that's something you could not have done two years ago which is so awesome that you could seriously get on a phone and play chess with somebody across the world and talk to them at the same time. Like all the problems they have with people using the internet the wrong way, that is still the it's the good stuff on the internet is amazing. I mean you guys are making whips because of it. That's freaking awesome. If Steve didn't learn to make a whip it, I wouldn't be here, you know. Our internet helped him out, right, Steve? Internet's um, emails, man. Pestering the bejesus out of whip makers. Who all did you pester? Um, I tried to pester Paul Nolan. Try? I tried. <laughs> he wouldn't. He wouldn't. Uh, he wouldn't be pestered with me. Well, he's he doesn't have a lot. But of he is a busy dude. Yeah. Let's face it. But know. you've talked to him, and he's talked back. Oh yeah, you, yeah. yeah. We we you, you put a whip on his site. You know, it's sold in his own stock. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, you know, we've we've had many conversations on the phone. I remember I was uh, doing some of the gutting on my house. You know, putting some insulation in the bathroom or something while I was talking to him at one point. But uh, mostly just bothering Bernardo. Bernardo really helped me out a lot. Don Carpio. Yeah, he 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 got me. He really made me understand about cutting your overlay f- from a yoke, and uh, the the benefits of doing that. And the first and foremost, you know, was obviously the benefit of all of your strands at the point of the whip are prime hide. Whereas if you do what I was doing, which which was to cut the whole hide into one strand. You don't know what you got at the end of the whip. That 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 strand at the point of the whip might be the worst part of the hide, the most stretchy part of the hide. Therefore, it's more likely going to break before any of the other strands do, and then cause them undue stress. But yeah, pestered him a lot, uh, and he was he was really cool. He actually Bernardo even made a video for me, a couple videos, because. You know, using the vinyl that's and awesome. cutting with scissors. That's awesome, by the way. That's that's when I was talking to Bernardo. Was that he would do that when I was doing the vinyl? Be so helpful. I mean, oh yeah, he didn't have to do that, but he uh, he made a video showing me how he cut. He he had a piece of cowhide and he was making a cowhide whip for somebody, and he was cutting uh, an overlay on this black cowhide, and he just showed me how he cut the strands and brought them down in in groups as a gang all the way around this hide to get as opposed to you doing it like Bernie did like okay. as opposed yeah to doing it and he did it with without a, any kind of strand or anything he just had a he used one of those knives where you can slide up the blade and break off a piece of uh, goals you know so that's what he I believe was using and then we started to talk about plaiting and how I had a problem I didn't understand what angle I should be plaiting at and how I should pull and and he was nice enough to make a video uh, right there in his house or apartment or whatever it was, um, putting his yoke on the hook and and braiding, and it was uh, it was cool, man. He was a great guy, and I found Peter Thorndike to be the same way. Peter Thorndike mentioned uh, regarding one of my posts that my strand width consistency needed a little bit of help, mm. and it did because I was because I was using the Aussie strander or. Uh, you know something to that effect to try to taper out my strands 
and Peter turned me on to these little wooden jigs that he that he used at least at the time. But instantly, you know, I asked him what he did or what he what he would suggest, and he didn't even respond verbally or, or with a text of any sort. He just started sending me these videos, and I was well, like, well, "There's no real way other to do it, right?" Well, like, I, that is to be like you, you know, doing it all through internet. I was just would be, you know, you'd need video because how hard would it be to type all that out? It's like people are having a time with under two, over two, under two, much would be like, here's how you pull, look at this geometry, mm -hmm. like you got it. Videos are extremely helpful. Right, but here, yeah. my, from my point of view, I've got Peter Thorndike who's making some of the most sought after whips uh, there are and some of the most elaborate whips you can buy today Yeah. and making them straight where that seam ain't twisting, you know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. it's not only a beautiful picture, it's straight it's as an arrow. arrow. You know, the guy's stuff is amazing. But he stopped what he was doing, took the time to go, okay, I'm in the middle of prepping this overlay, but I'm going to go ahead and turn my camera on and make a video for some dude that I don't even know that, that just asked me about strand with consistency. You know what I mean? Like, that's cool that he's like that. Some whip makers are like that. Some whip makers, like him and Bernardo, to me, were just like, you know, and I'm not, sorry guys, if, if you start getting millions of emails from whip makers who are going to start pestering you. <laughs> but Just ignore him. Right. Yeah. <laughs> just ignore him. But, uh, no, they were very helpful, you know, and, and Casey was helpful with a lot of things. Blake, obviously, with his experience, learned a lot of things and helped me with a lot of things. Well, Joe, you know, for me in the beginning, like, I even helped pester Joe for you, even when, before I came over, I was pestering Joe to help you out, too. I was... I, I did pester Joe a few times. He, he, he would always answer my emails uh, and give me an answer. Um, but his... I, I, you know, I was always at first all wrapped up in the science of things. Like your first bolster should be exactly this long, and the belly tail should stop at exactly this point. And I was always thinking that everything was could just be boiled down to some sort of scientific science. method. Me too. Yeah. And it can't. Every material is different, mm -hmm. and everything you're going to run into thicknesses here, and you're going to find that something didn't taper right here, and you don't know why, but you 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 can fix it. You know what I mean? You just got to know that there's something wrong. You didn't get the taper you wanted, and what do you got to do to get it? You know what I mean? Well, that would be in the forest is, you know, uh, that's another thing. I, as you learn, you got to learn the different trees. So when you see the forest, you can now see this forest and see the individual trees. Well, I would want answers from Joe that were definitive. I would ask yeah. him a question like, how long do you make your second bolster? And he would say, well, I'd like to have it about somewhere. In the, you know, and it, you're like, like, okay, well, how long? Like when you drop you know, your, your second strand, or when's your second, or say you just drop from a 12 to a 10, you're like, well, when do you drop to a 10 to an 8? He'd say, it would be before my belly tails end. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it'd be stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, you couldn't get a, you couldn't get a here at this exact point. That's where it stopped. But we all know why, well, we know why now, though. Like, we yeah. all understand it why now. I, right, you know, because he... Early just, off when we did it, you know, we were, we were just trying to, yeah, you and we were both trying to understand more of the science to it. He makes, he well, makes well, it up well, as he goes, well. man. It's when you meet a master at something, it's like, you know, it's like I was talking to you before about, like, um, you know, like, the old phrase, the mountains, the mountains, the rivers, the rivers. Uh, Bruce Lee said, you know, a punch is a punch and a kick was a kick. So he's like, before I trained the martial arts, the punch was a punch and a kick was a kick. He said, after I started learning martial arts, I realized a punch wasn't just a punch and a kick wasn't just a kick. You know, it's like, oh, well, there's different types of punches or how do you got to get good at it? He said, but once you master it, well, punch is a punch and a kick is a kick. So when somebody who's on a master level, like Adam, will say something very light, but it'll hit on every level. Joe would say something very light. And, 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 and me as a master of martial arts instructor, I'll say something very light, but it's a principle of truth that'll last. As they get better, it'll just keep ringing through their ears, but as they're better, it'll just ring differently and more because it's an immovable principle on it. And so like Joe's answers would be very light, 
and it would solve the problem, but it's not just that easy because it's also involved the skill involved of you doing it enough to have the skill to where you don't have to keep looking and measuring and checking and measuring. You can just flow like an artist. Like when I make a whip, I really can't, I, I swear the better I get at it, the way I attack it is like, I really just feel like an artist with paints is just throwing the brushes on and getting it all done or a sculptor just looking at it and moving clay left and right when he needs to and slashing it off, you know, and it wasn't always like that. You know, I had a, you know, was, wasn't always like that, but over time it's become like that. And now that it, it's like, so like Joe's answers are all based kind of like that. It's like, there is no definitive answer because depending on what he got or what, you know, what he materially has, well, if he tapers this too fast, well, he slows this other part of material down. If he does that, you know, it's like, well, if I don't have enough here, I'll just add or remove, you know, so there, it's like, well, he, that's why I always say it's like he'd give us more, Joe would give us more guidelines, <laughs> more than he'd give us rules. Like I say, what making is more about guidelines as opposed to uh, rules, Harder. You know, it's like, and it's the way it is when you do it this method. It's a very artistical way, but it is. And, and as you get better, you understand. So, you know, this will put me in the ballpark and the rest is up to me to make it perfect. Like, I need to make this, 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 I want to make a pottery of someone's head. Well, I just need enough to be over the head so I can remove it. I don't need twice as much clay for the head. Mm -hmm. So your job is to make your initial overall view to where we'll get in the ballpark and then you take care of it and if it is a little slimmer here well you run it longer before you taper I mean you, you deal with what you got you got to make each one the best you can with what you got that day yeah. so you can't always have rules because also a lot about thicknesses like nylon may have a consistent thickness well rue doesn't and unless you split it it will never have consistent thickness I don't always split everything but you got to deal with that too and thickness and change how much you can braid or not braid or you know how, how you know like if you tapered a grate with one thickness well now your cow's 0.5 millimeters more so two layers of that means a miller, millimeter wider so whatever science you thought you had the first time will not work the same the second yeah i always looked for uh, an exact science you know because that's i guess that's how i feel most confident making something where i have when when it's this long it's you know this is the width you want this is and having an exact science makes me more confident yeah, that's why i say i think nylon although it both takes to make a professionally amazing not professional but just an amazing quality higher tier whip you have to be an artist at what you're doing you have to have an artistic level that gets there but nylon yeah. is definitely more science than art I think just mm -hmm. like you know just but but there's an artistic thing to make your science work so well <laughs> and then how much you become an artist with it it's just like you know like I, like I said you, 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 you've got a heel knot and you got to try and try, try a perfect knot well your knot was predetermined by your heel foundation before you tied your knot while me, I can just make my heel foundation and then I can just thicken or loosen or thin my strand so I can make the knot wrap around that more pleasingly. While you, you can't change your nylon. You can only change the foundation under. So there's a lot more science, but it also takes you to get artistic about making the science look good. So when you do the knot, it artistically also is beautiful. You know, but there's, there's everything is part science, part art. And we are part science, part art. So, you know, there's a part of us that's logical, but a part of us that needs to just break free and take off running every now and again. <laughs> just freaking go for it. Play tag. Let's just, you know, things like that. Just run off and freaking throw a football real quick. I mean, there's parts where you just need to go and run. Crack some whips. Yeah. Jump off of a truck. I don't know. Just <laughs> back looking you know, right. But, you know, there's part science, part artist. You know, but I, I think leather, when you master it, you know, you, you can't knock it down with science. It really is more about guidelines and rules. You know, it really is about really having, like Steve was talking about, having a vision of what you want it to look like and now taking what is coming and just making it what you want. Like, you know, it's like trying to make the, let that whip realize that you're the craftsman and that it's not going to push you around. You know, I, I realized when I was first getting into making whips and 
and uh, I never did it, but one thing I knew that would be a really good exercise would be to take, as I, you know, as I was braiding this nylon, I, I was always wondering if I had a core, you know, that remained constant and didn't taper, and let's say I'm braiding 12 strands over that, if I drop two strands into that core, it's going to add to that core, but I'll have less strands braiding around that core. So will that cause a taper, or will it cause a swell, or will it remain the exact same size? Hmm. I never did that, but you know, I, I knew as I was braiding that that would be good to know. Yeah. <laughs> and I never did it, because yeah. before I pursued nylon any further, I discovered leather and got into that, and everything started getting, you know, tapered one way or another you know some things yeah there's a lot of good tips like i don't know casey showed some of me but it's like he'd be tight he'd say he'd do stuff like this he's like hey you want to get good at braiding patterns he's like get a dot rod get six strands that would cover it like you know like a stock whip however you'd have it he's like and just lash them up at the top and then braid away while you're watching tv and then you can just undo it and braid again he says you're just sitting here and learn to braid, braid patterns that you don't need to really braid tight he says you can just sit there and have this thing so when you're watching tv you don't really want to braid you can sit here and just go over and under and just tie it up while you're hanging out and <laughs> just sitting there. And but and, and I'm like, that is a really good idea. And I think I did it once to do it. But after that, I'm like, you know, after I did it once, because like I said, I used it everything once. And I'm like, it really was a valuable thing. It was nice to done the experience. And I think actually a lot of people could benefit from it. But, but I didn't really need a lot of fancy plat work for any of my stuff, doing a lot more diamond handle or simple patterns as opposed to full designs. And so it, it really what it didn't pursue me. By that time, I'm like, well, I just got to do this anyway. So I got to make a create a unique design anyway. So that, you know, I don't want to sit here and pre-wrap it. I'll just get it written down and just when I got to make it, I'll make it. You know, but that was a good idea. Or people talk about you know, get have a heel foundation. Like get a stick, tie a heel foundation of it, have a strand that fits it right. And while you sit there when you're watching TV, just make a knot. Try to make a new knot or make make a knot that you're you're trying to struggle with to see if you can tie it better you know that you know you don't have to pull it so tight and actually finish it off and make a knot and undo it make a knot undo. i mean it is good to have that stuff if you have that time and that ability but you know like i think that'd be really great for the hobbyist or the enthusiast or the guy that only is trying to pursue like making turk sets or making new knots or a guy that is trying to pursue handle braiding and just understanding how to understand how to see handle braiding so you don't have to look at your sketch so much you know like there's some things that I think I found that I like. I, I always was, I always ran from really wanting to ever have to do fancy handle braid. Before I did fancy handle braid, I just like, oh gosh, oh no, it's like you know, like I don't know what the heck I'm doing. It's like it's like you're making a whip for the first time all over again, and it's just gonna blow my mind. And you know, I don't think I could do all that. And hey, how can you memorize it? And there's no way it'll be clean, and there's gonna be misbraids. And you know, no matter how you did it, it was it was it was it was really kind of scary. But, you know, after you do, but it's just like anything else. Man, you do 10 of them real quick, you'd be a lot better. You know, and then you understand enough what you've learned to know, well, what can or can I do or should I shouldn't do it or can I do this? So, I mean, even just by doing 10, you might at least improve. Even if you never do it again, you have improved something about that will help you normally. But, like the Zora Handle Braid, it's just a series of, of stair, stair steps. And uh, that one uh, is the only other fancy, I would, the only the only design I have memorized. Like if, if I braid on a stock whip, I can just eyeball it and braid what I want when I go down it. Um, when I braid in a bull whip, I don't have quite the three-dimensional way that I work it. So, I, you know, sometimes I'll have a cheat sheet that I'll look at on certain parts. Like when I get to a certain pattern, I'll go. But when it changes, I want to double check and make sure I'm good on it before I keep going on the next new pattern. Because like what a pattern is, I'll just play. So there's a design and a pattern. It took me, it, Joe had to explain this to me like I was an eight-year-old. 
uh, you know, especially because of the phone, but basically it's like this. So, like, a pattern is diamond. A pattern is herringbone, or the whipmaker's flat, whatever you call it. Uh, a pattern is short herringbone. A pattern is bird's eye. A pattern is a stair steps. Um, a design is the way you take maybe different patterns and create them in different stacked of layers, which creates a unique design. So a design is the overall, uh, and when you mix design, well, a pattern is a pattern, but a design is where you mix up those patterns to make a design. And, and so that's kind of the difference, you know, like this, so they talk about a pattern on a handle versus the design. Mm -hmm. And the beauty of patterns is like, you can kind of figure out a pattern. Like if you want to do short herringbone, you realize it's either under two, over two, under two on both sides, or it's over two, under two, over two on both sides. But either way, it's like you can get in that groove and go. And, you know, it's like uh, same thing with stair steps. If you know how to do it, you know, understand the stair steps, you can just start braiding just like you're braiding diamond, like it's no thing, mm -hmm. you know, because you understand the pattern. But when you start changing, like more or less, or from one diamond to the other, you've got to learn how to clean it up 360. So you've got to, if you don't know how to do it off the top of your head, that's, you know, that, that, that's where you're going to have a, a less pretty design. So, like, that's where it'd slow you up. And that's where, like I said, when you're talking design, well, it does take more time and understanding, you know. But, like, you know, stair steps is the only pattern that, I, or design, with the Zorro handle is a series of stair steps in a design. And that's the only design I, I can just do off the top of my head. I can just braid into what I'm doing. The other stuff I still need to cheat here and there. But yeah. that always scared me. You know, I was like, oh, okay. You know, it's always, like, I'll never do that. Those Australians are just crazy, amazing they were that's that's why they live in Australia and have kangaroos. We'll never get better. I mean, the animals live there. Even <laughs> they have an advantage. <laughs> so I, I always thought, like, you know, I always thought all all the fancy patterns you see on handles come from you know that spiral method where you take you know half the strand spiral and then you take needles for every single one. Because I saw somebody do it that way, and I was like, oh, everybody's doing that. And well, I, I think realize. Peter did that on the man from Snowy River. Did yeah. he really? Yeah. Oh. Spiral technique. Yeah. 64 plat handle. He sent us pictures. He's got this handle. Seeing all great. those 64 stack. Yeah, he sent us like behind the scenes stuff. And like seeing like these like microfibers. Like imagine you pulled a. You'd imagine in a sci fi movie where you pull out and these fiber optic cables are sticking yeah, out. Yeah, these yeah. like thin wires. It was like there was like 64 spreaded weird optic cables. Can you show me that? I, I don't know if I, I'll have to look for it. Well, we ask that. him. You know yeah. what? I just okay, message okay. him. We'll message him in the group. He'll do. Yeah, but it was insane looking. Yeah, the strands weren't any thicker or wider than they were thick. You know, yeah, what so I mean? like, just like half like, a millimeter wide. You know, like sixty four strand, like like it, like it'd be dental floss. It'd be, it'd be dental floss wide, cut in half. Maybe not even that. Maybe it'd be thinner. You know, he's over there in Australia, just pulling his hair out, dude. <laughs> just absolutely. Oh, uh, the pulsey thread. That's it. The Consco pulsey thread you use for the top of your uh, flash on your keepers on the stock of panels. Uh, Each strand was maybe like that. I remember him saying he was holding all the strands and it weighed nothing, basically. Because they're so thin. He's just holding. He was talking about that in, in California beginning of this year, actually. <laughs> what do you do when you break a strand? Yeah, know? right, like, right. I would just yeah. shoot myself. Which yeah. is one of my favorite memes that Steve Steve posted. Like, you know, like Peter be like, ah, you know, I'm in the middle of this. And Steve Steve had the perfect meme, man. And if you were to you know, like, I don't know if you can explain it, but it was the one where you had the, it's the Darth Vader helmet. And it was about that feeling you get. What was that one? Oh, it was a picture of uh, Freddie Mercury riding on Darth Vader's shoulders with his hand in the air. 
you know, mid mid song, and it, it said, you know, when you finally finish that sixty four plat hand. <laughs> I said that to Peter when he got it done. He was like, oh, yeah, yeah, man, that's how it felt like. Yeah. <laughs> that Murphy Ragnar died right in the We get done, man. Right, it's over. <coughs> I can retire now. That thing belongs in a museum now. Yeah. It does. Involves an Adam Winrich's vault. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. I, Thanks to uh, Blake and, and Adam, yeah, I got to see the man from Snowy River Whip and a couple of Peter's uh, other stock whips that Adam has that are, you know, you know, designs, <laughs> not just patterns, but yeah, you know, you, that's that's designed to the nth degree. Like it's just out of control. Like I don't know what would possess you to even try such a thing, man. Mm. It's just, and on top of all that, and being braided, the spiral method, it is braided consistently it's braided straight and it flows nice <laughs> you know what i mean it's a good whip it ain't just a pretty whip yeah because you could put a lot of time into something like that and make it pretty and it not turn out so great as far True. as functional and fluid and flowing yeah well that's not to be said of pete's work you know what i mean yeah i have a slow motion video from our first time we got together with adam where he's cracking it's not the man from snowy river whip but it was another one of those fancy plaited whips mm -hmm. and it's just like that whip is like water. It's just consistent. It, there's no, you know, stiff spot or weak spot or whatever. It's just, it's just good, man. It's amazing. Yeah, it is. It's, it's like uh, absolutely crazy. And you know, he's not one of these guys that's made like seven thousand whips. You know. Yeah, I think Pete's somewhere between four and five, even maybe three. Yeah, he's around four somewhere. Crazy. You know, it's like when I was playing guitar and you'd grow up. You know, I heard of this guitar player named Jason Becker. You know, and there's an album he's he, he put out. It's called Perpetual Burn, and the music on this album, the guitar playing on this album, is absolutely phenomenal. And you know, most guitar players inspired me, and that was very inspirational. And then I found out that when he recorded that album, he was 16 years old. And I'm like, you know, what I mean, some people just excel at a higher rate. You know, I'd like to think that with whip making, I have a knack for it. I think I excel at a fairly yeah, higher rate. But then there's dudes like Pete, yeah. where he's a couple hundred, you know, three, four hundred whips. It's or like we're all in the it. NBA, but, you know, there's Michael Jordan over there. Well, so, right, so, right, so yeah, you yeah. know, like Adam said, like, you're the best. Well, I can't. You can do, can you do this trick? This guy can. No, I can't. Well, you're right. not the best. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like, there's always someone that's, right. you know, that does something so way amazingly believable more than you can. You know, and then, and then Pete shows us that advertisement from that newspaper where they had the, at, at a museum somewhere in the, you know, twenties or something. I'm guessing, but this whip that was like a hundred and some odd plat count, and we were all, you know, discussing whether or not this this 120 or whatever strand count something. was strands that were actually thicker than they were wide, or if the whip was just so big. Yeah, that it didn't right, have yeah. to be that narrow. It didn't have to be right one of the two. More likely, the fat whip, because your strands, you wouldn't be able to tug anything tight. It just would break, like the trimmings off when you bevel a strand. Right. Wow. You know, who could braid that besides Pete? Maybe Joe. Yeah. 
crazy. Uh, I don't know. Like I don't know what Joe's highest plaque count was. I, I don't. I, I don't think it was a, mat, a matter of inability. Yeah. I think it was just a matter of I don't want to mess with that. Like 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 uh, you know like you know the phrase from Wolverine like I'm the best. It's not the point of it. It's like I'm the best at what I do. Like you know that's what. I try to be with what I can do. Like, I'll be happy that I'll never make more than a 24 plat. I'm just happy I can even make, make a 12 plat. You know, like, I'll never do, like, I only do so much, and I'll never go past those limits. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with my limitations. Finding my limitations is important, but, you know, like, Joe, like, I think Joe was like that. Like, whatever he did, like, whatever his cap was, he polished every inch of that, you know. And Peter's cap's just higher. <laughs> Phenomenally higher, like. You know, like I'm not saying I'm a genius, but if I, but if I, if we were geniuses, he'd be the one with the eidetic memory. <laughs> he'd be the one with, you know, it doesn't need to be a genius. He knows everything because he's seen it or heard it. <laughs> you know, he doesn't, he doesn't have to think or think a plan. It just is, just like I'm brainiac. Answers here, vamp. You know, you know, but even him, he'll tell, he'll talk about people better than him though. And there are, there are people better than him at different parts. That's the part of the art. It's like even though he may be the Bobby Fisher of chess. There are other styles of playing chess that are, are maybe better, but function is more important to form to him. And I, and I think that's the one thing that de delineates what I think everyone should really be looking for. Like you talk about, you know, you're helping rookies out, and should they jump into kangaroo? Well, would you jump into any whips? I would say that your first and foremost is to figure out how to get a whip to flow and function. And looks are far, or they're more secondary. They are far from caring about. Like you do want to make a better product, but... Your goal is that your whip is feels well and is braided well and is tapered well so that it rolls out smooth and pleasing. After that, and as you make those and as you seek that as your first goal, pretty soon you'll be making a pretty enough whip. And then the rest of your life, once you get that down, should be the prettiest. But like so Pete, when they do Australian competitions, you can win on looks, but they also have a cracking competition. So that man from Stony River, I believe, also had to get cracked. Mm -hmm. and, and so he says, if I won that and did not win the cracking one, he says it would have. It's like I would have. It would have. I, I forget I phrase it, but either way, it's like that one would have been cool. <laughs> it's yeah, like yeah. it was more important that that thing crocked too. out smooth yeah. more than he, even, you know, than he cared about the rest of it. And I think that is one thing that helps make some of the best whip makers because ultimately, it's how well when when I I didn't make a whip, it was all about how it felt in my hand, and I came to just strain. And people come to other things. They just they're bigger guys, they're thinner guys, they're lighter guys, they're girls. They want different. It doesn't matter. Different makers will speak to them. You know, I mean, that's just the way it is. Not one whip maker for everybody, but you know, the the people I think that the people that focus on having the best functioning, flowing whip that would be pleasing to someone to crack, uh, should, it is always should come first between looking pretty, and I think that delineates a lot. You know, because Pete talked about it, like winning the function to him is more important than winning the fancy, because then they say, yeah, maybe it's like like the old phrase. It's like you know, you you gave me a present, but all you did is wrapped up a turd. You know, so it's like it doesn't matter how pretty the wrapping paper is because inside it, it's just a turd. You yeah. know, it's, it, you know, it's it, got to work. It's got to be more than a sizzle. Like the sizzle gets people in the door, but it's the steak better be good or they don't come back. And that's what makes you successful is you make a steak that's so good that they'll tell you about the sizzle, but they're also going to tell you how delicious it was. <laughs> the sizzle gets them in the door, but the steak brings them back. Yeah. So what do you think, Nick? I, I agree. I, I think if you're going to make a whip looking good is secondary. I mean, it's it's kind of the icing on the cake, but it's got to function. That's what it's, that's what it's for. You know? It's kind of like having a you know a, a Mustang with a with a V6. You know, it just isn't right. <laughs> I don't know. Are there any things that 
that came to you at one point or where you noticed like, wow, that thing changed the way I saw to make my whips function better? Or like, like, like yes, like, absolutely. you know, you know, I mean, there's going to be a few of those moments. And of course, as you perfect everything, it all helps with that. But I mean, is there something that really like, wow, I just realized blank needs to be done. So this whip is better. And that's a major thing that helps out with function. Definitely for me, um, it was using artificial sinew on the transition because I made a good amount of whips, probably 40 or 50 maybe more, just with like duct, or uh, I keep saying duct tape, but electrical tape for the binding to, to strengthen the transition. I wasn't relying on what <coughs> I was putting the strands, it was just this tape here that's strengthening that. And when I started using artificial sinew to bind that area, I found so much more springiness and life into the whip. That, that was probably my biggest breakthrough in whip making, binding adding strength, adding springiness to the transition. My, my whips had so much more life and they lasted longer. Because the electrical tape bound whips, they, they crack great for the first day, but that tape wears out. And, uh, that, did that you ever buy, tre uh, I never played with the black tape too much, uh, but did you ever buy premium black tape? Like, because you know how you get to, like the cheaper black tape, well there's a premium and oh, yeah, it is, yeah. where it's, it, it's a little different. Yeah, I used 3M Scotch, and I think the other one, I don't remember what the other one was, but I was I was buying... Either way, it all's good. Good stuff, yeah. But it all was, you know, ended up the same way. And I think just using artificial sinew to bind was a breakthrough for me. My biggest, probably. So when you plat a nylon whip, mm -hmm. you don't you don't plat from start to finish pulling absolutely as hard as you can, right? No, I, I definitely don't. I, I start... On the handle, I, I get that pretty tight, but but knowing that there isn't any stress on that part of the whip, you know, I don't pull as hard as I do at the transition. As soon as that steel ends, then I'm pulling as hard as I can. But by the time I get, uh, depending on the length of the whip, maybe a foot, two feet past that point, I start to relax a little bit and let the waxing, uh, I, I wax my whips. I let that kind of take care of the rest uh, of the tension, but I do pull as hard as Speaking I can. Speaking of wax, man, I've yeah. been forgetting this for like a year and a half now. Yeah. And I hate to do this on the air. No, you're good. Okay. What's up? When, when I was going to try to make an Allen whip a few years ago and I asked Adam about it because I'm like, oh, I'm going to do it. So I bought a bunch of nylon. I still never got around it. I ended up giving the nylon as a gift to someone so they can make a whip and use the money for charity. I don't know what happened. Anyways, I, I'm like, what do I need? Like wax. This is crazy. So you want paraffin wax and here's what you need. And I'm like, well, how do you dig? It's like, get a big roaster at Walmart. So I got a roaster I'm never going to use, and I have 50 pounds of paraffin wax I can't use. I've been trying to get it to you for like two years now. Really? Because that's what he said to get, oh and I bought gosh. it all. But, but dude, I can't use it. I've been trying to tell you for two years, but every time we hang out, and time's so limited. And I always forget because it's been stuck on the bottom shelf in this garage. Every time, Thank you, every man. time. But will you please take this cooker? I would love my old my Nesco Roastmaster. And see, like I remember you mentioned something away. about it a month. I heard yeah. something about that, and I'm like, oh yeah. my gosh! I'm like, it's perfect now. It's like I better yeah. tell him. And now that I'm thinking, I saw it the other day when we were cleaning up, and, and then I just forgot about it. And now that you said, what well, I'm just gonna tell you, you got to remind hey, me before we take that. Welcome to the burning. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's the burning. That's like Blake. That. That's who he is. Here, I bought this. I'm not gonna use it. I want you to have it. <laughs> I appreciate I it. I swear to God. I'm like, okay. He's like, well, you know what? I got tired of this splitter. It works really good, but I want. I got this one, so I just <laughs> here take this home and use it. <laughs> Here's this CS Osborne splitter that 86, like <laughs> the best one ever. Osborne 86, and it's okay. Thank I love you. that one. That's the best splitter to get, guys. It's it's worth it. You can find it if you Google search. 
I forget the place, but you'll find it pop up somewhere for like four twenty five. Everyone else sells it for like six hundred, but the Osborne eighty six you can buy it for about four twenty five. Best one ever, man. Oh, if you, if you, you know, I, I should almost do a video on showing why I love it over the bad ones I've had. Well, yeah, and a lot of that stems from from Joe and his experience with it and the way he uses it, dude. I yeah, love watching true. him use that's that. True. Dude, he pulls the he 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 starts to feed the strands through that hole, yeah. but then he just pulls them under the blade over the roller. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, so that's cool. You know what I mean? There's just little things yeah. about that splitter that it, that are really cool if you know. Yeah. So so like I forget the first splitter I got, and I was probably you know like oh, I need a splitter and all this, and this will help this out. And so I, I go in and I'm like, that's a lot of money. And I went to Tandy, which you shouldn't do because I just needed a splitter and. And there's nowhere else around here to sell splitters, so I, you know, like I'd rather buy now and get it, and I see it, and I see the guy, and you know, I'm that type of guy. That's why I couldn't make whips, so I didn't visit Steve on that fateful day, man. And so, <laughs> so the thing is, though, it's like so it's got a uh, so it's got a blade, and it's got a handle, so I can like move the blade or the razor or lower the bottom to you know just sharpness. But it also has these two screw-in tops that are double-level screw-in. So once I raise to my where I want, I have to screw it into the side so my handle that raises and lower doesn't move. But I also have to screw down, but also by screwing my blade raises and lowers something else. So one raises and lowers it, so I have to figure that out. And then I have to raise this and pinch it, but either way, I have to do all that to get one strand through. Now, it doesn't, so so now that I got my, now I've got everything set, that's kind of good. But to get my next strand in, I have to unscrew from the side, pull back the row bar, put in another strand, bring it back in, tighten down that strand and go. The Osborne 86, it's got the spring activated thing, so it takes the roller on the bottom and forcefully enough is always push it into place and it has this place so what I'll do is like Steve said you'll just slide the strand into the side and you'll find your own way to do it if you have one but as I slide it in I'll have my forearm push on the part that holds the roller up and slide it through as I slide it over and I can just slide the strand in slide it over and slide it down very smoothly nice. and the, the other one was such a, 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 a problem but I made lemons out of lemonade I use it to split my falls now because I can just make it one thing, and I, and I can just I can just actually push it down with my hand and pull it through one hand and not care about it. So like it'll still kind of work. I actually bought a splitter from Tandy myself. It, I, it, we must have got a different model. I don't. I went the big one they had, and mine was probably a couple years after you bought yours. They go through different products. But uh, the problem I had was that, for one thing, I had no talent at all for sharpening a blade, and. Yeah, I still suffer from the blade that. on that thing was. That's why so he got my Osborne eighty six, and it was better for me to spend four hundred dollars to get a new one, sharp ready to go, than figure out a sharpener. <laughs> and and Franco and you were on deck for the next. One. <laughs> I told Franco that like you're on deck, Castle. Like he's like what? I'm like hey, don't worry about buying one. If you just give me about three more months, I'm probably not going to figure out how to sharpen this, and I'll just give it to you, and you can sharpen it. Sharpening a splitter blade is a pain. Well, though. like I just buy a new splitter blade. Now I think I can get four twenty five splitter blades three hundred. The blade itself is three. Brand new one already sharpened, yeah, man. Like I want to contract Tops Knives or or K Bar to make a ten ninety five high carbon steel splitter blade. Yeah, because that's not a bad idea though. Well, if you had a ten ninety five high carbon steel splitter blade, for one thing, it would have way better edge retention. You would have to sharpen it a heck of a lot less often. And 1095 high carbon steel is so easy to sharpen. Huh. Dude, I have I have two knives at home that I like to play with, okay? Big, you know, Bowie knives. He throws them in the air. I know. <laughs> jump kicks one and it goes I in a dartboard every in the time. air. I juggle them while you I play. You made me put an apple on my head one time. It was amazing. <laughs> I juggle them while I play. I can still see though on my left eye. It wasn't that bad. But the, there's one of them is made out of 440 uh, stainless. 
Okay, which as far as knives go is common but junk. And then the other one is a Becker VK9, which is 1095 Crovan steel. And that knife is so easy to sharpen, dude. Like, I can sharpen that knife so sharp, like, I, I shave with it without, you know what I mean, no problem. It's it's awesome. But the, the 440 stainless, I mean, I could use the exact same sharpening technique that I'm using on the carbon blade, and it, it will not get an edge on it and I cannot put an edge on my splitter blade yeah I've had a hard time too like uh, I, so we got that uh, polishing compound or whatever like Steve said well if it's sharp and you have it polished and he's like you know Steve's trying to show me how to sharpen because that's why I fail at it but here's the thing I've watched videos people I'm telling you I've watched a lot of videos I've seen people do a strop I've seen it with a block I've tried everything I watched I did watch Joe do it with me with his uh, he puts a jeweler's rouge on a felt spinning wheel and then that's how he sharpens his but the thing is I, you know, like I, in my mind, I always thought he grinded it when I saw him do it. I didn't realize it wasn't a grinder and that it really is really soft if you feel the wheel because I've now done it to mine, but it just makes it polish sharp. So, so I was always worried I'm just going to eat up my blade because I didn't understand once I'd made the material what it was. So I didn't really pay attention to this technique, but you know, Steve said if it's sharp, it doesn't take much to keep it sharp. And it, But the problem is if it's dull and you just never do it, it'll eventually get so dull now, now that simple polishing which would keep it sharp, will not keep You'd it sharp. You'd have to take it to like a whetstone. Am I wrong? Because I'm just, this is from what I've understood from talking to Steve and other things. Am I correct on that? No, that, that Casey, sounds... too. Casey's talked to me a lot about it. I've even mailed my blade to Casey before and had Casey sharpen it and mail it back to me. And like, that's why I bought the first Osborne because I couldn't wait two weeks for him to sharpen it. I'm like, well, I need it sharpened anyways. I'll mail it to Casey Tyler because he's amazing at that stuff. <laughs> and then I'll have a new splitter and I'll have a backup. Like when you're first putting an edge on a blade, if you're using coarse, it's only because that blade is ridiculously dull. And you're putting a rough edge on it. And then you're going to get a medium stone and you're going to refine that edge. And then you're going to get a fine stone and you're going to further refine that edge and make it even sharper. Once you've done that and you've got that really nice fine edge on the blade, you put a polishing compound on a piece of leather on a flat board and you strop the blade. And what, what that does is it's not like a stone that's literally you know, on Shaving a small level, cutting off material, it's polishing that material to a, a, an edge, mm -hmm. and and it makes the knife unbelievably sharp. Um, but it it can be tricky to do. But once once you get your uh, once your knife is at a sharp state, if it gets slightly dull, you just strop it and put that polished edge back on it, and you can keep it sharp that way. You yeah. won't ever have to take a stone to it unless you somehow damage the blade or. Okay. Whatever. Then it dropped it. Then it. Right. You know. Or maybe, went uh, so long without like a sharpening year or two, which it, I did. That it that it needs. But I can't figure out how to sharpen it back up so I can polish it. That's my problem. I'm having the hardest time when I try to sharpen it too. Like that's why, like I said, I'll send that off to either you or Franco, whoever's on deck, and then I'll get a new one. Like Steve got his, and then it's up to your guys' headache. I, I want to try. I can't, and you guys may know someone, or maybe you guys can do it, but I can't. I want to try your buffing wheel thing you got. I, I, I tried it the other day, but still, I don't know if I really felt much of a difference. Like I said, man, that one that one's going on a year. I'll burn through a splitter blade in about six months mm. or a year if I do it right. And then, like I said, so when I got the Osborne after first all Joe two and a half years ago, I got one. A year later, Steve had it. This is my other one. I've been hanging on to it six months longer than I planned. Mm. But I've been able to get through it. But, like, I did try buffing it. And I, I did try 
doing some things to it, but it's like I don't know what like it's like me looking at a whip for the first time. I don't know what I'm looking at to see what I'm doing it right. And I don't and when I run it through, I'm like, does it feel better? It might feel marginally better, but am I just imagining that because I have placebo? Because I actually think I did something right? Or did I really sharpen that blade? And and then, you know, it's like the whole thing may not all be that smooth. So it's like I don't know what I'm looking at to even tell. So it's like I can just say, well it's splitting, but does it feel like when you've been a year deep, you don't remember what it's like when you first bought it when I just did Fire. this. And so it's like, I, you know, it's like I can't, I, it's so far gone, I can't tell, even if I didn't improve it, it probably marginally, marginally improved it compared to actually being what it once was. I just feel like if it was 10 like first time. steel, it'd be feels way like easier to sharpen I, I need a new Osborne, so it feels like the very first time. Yeah, mine feels like the third time. <laughs> feels like the thirty-fourth time. I got this cheap piece of junk on eBay. It's just—it's basically a turquoise metal C. You know, just cast aluminum or something. And it has—it's a splitter that takes these little, you know, razor blades, or uh, is it utility knife blades? I think, and you put them in, and then you raise it and lower it thickness of how you know what you're going to get when you split it by a screw so if you run a strand through you can never get the same uh you guys are you guys know what, what? I'm talking about. That you gave me one of those oh is that what that was that's yeah. what that, that's what he's talking about that's so it's like a, say it's like a little middle square box it, is that what it was it's, I can't it's remember a seat it's a turquoise and you can tell yeah. it's like homemade welded yeah, and yeah. 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 someone I, I helped someone out like, like I had a guy that was like I need money really fast and he's like I try to make remains like could, I'm like, well, I, what do you got? I'll try to help you. And he's like, well, I got this splitter and this thing and this stuff. And I'm like, uh, man, what do you want for? He's like, man, I'd be happy for 150. I'm like, here's 150. And they're like, so I'm like, uh, Steve, here you don't have a splitter. I mean, I should. Have, but, but was it one where you use a razor blade? Yeah. Where you just, like, yeah. That, yeah. I thought that was. But when I saw that, I thought that's kind of brilliant. It, uh, it, 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 it Yeah, like you the, can't split a bolster. Yeah, like well, that's what I think makes the Denny Williams splitter so great is that. You, like I said, you don't have to worry about sharpening your splitter. You just put a new razor blade in whenever you want. Well, that'd be nice. And so the Denny Williams is great, but the problem is that space in there, uh, I, I forget how fat it is, but like you wouldn't really want to be splitting, you know, you couldn't really be splitting uh, belly tails with it if you want, if you're doing four plant. Yeah, it's really it's hard to run through yeah. some of those things. You could, or like bolster, like that's the problem. I'm sorry, it's not mm -hmm. that. You could probably do belly tails. Bolsters, you can't run bolsters. Or yokes. Yeah, yokes, bolsters, or cores. And that, I'm sorry, yeah. I didn't mean belly toes. That's the whole problem. And so that's why you need a real splitter if you want to definitely clean everything up. You need an actual real splitter. I mean, that but like, that's what made that little weird C thing you talked about. Right. I saw that, like, well, I can't remember if it could fit through, but I'm like, that's kind of brilliant. That's like a Denny Williams strander, very instantly made. And in anything that you can replace razor with, I thought was brilliant. Like, has, that's a brilliant I idea. I feel like it has potential if it had, like, yeah. a you yeah. know, system like the Osborne spring. It'd be great. Yeah, why but I gave that to you right before you gave it to Osborne, right? I give it to you, then I'm like, ah, just go ahead and take the Osborne. Yeah, the one I have. <laughs> After two months, I'm like, just take my Osborne, I'll get a new one. That, that one has a, a set screw that you, you tighten up a nut, and then it'll, uh, I don't know, I'd have to look at it. It's been so long since I messed with it. I just remember that, you know, if you wanted to split strands, it really worked good because the razor blade could just be easily replaced. Yeah. Not like, you know, on the Osborne where you need to sharpen that glue. And I'm not good at it. At all. I still use it though. I force that I force that cowhide through. You know the good thing though is once I've got that cowhide split and that bolster split, if it didn't break, it ain't gonna stretch. 
Yeah, that, I, I'm gonna prep it and it's gonna stay that way. <laughs> yeah, after around uh, 50 whips, I got uh, maybe it was more like 75. I don't know, but there, I went through a, a period where I was splitter shy, and it's because that cheap Tandy splitter and it dulled pretty fast, and I couldn't figure out how to sharpen it, and I couldn't spend hundreds of dollars on a freaking splitter again. You know, I yeah. seem to recall Bernardo expressing the same, trying to get those Raider specs, and and he mentioned, you know. Breaking, breaking bolsters trying to get him through the splitter. But Joe Joe could make a Raider spec 22 millimeters. The method he's doing, you know, double, you know, core double or whatever. He could do it in under 22 millimeters. Like, that's what he tried to hit on a Raider. It was like, that's like the biggest, fattest part on that 22 millimeters. And he'd do it without a splitter. And I'm like, how'd you do it? He said, well, I didn't even use a splitter until like six years ago. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And he says, well, you, 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 he'd look at the right part of, and pull it off the right part of the, of the kangaroo, but he'd also choose through his kangaroo to find the one that would also be thinnest at that spot. So he'd make the part where it's most fast work out. And I'm like, wow. I'm like, I still don't know how he does. Everything he does seems magical to me, but that was my mind But like, yeah. <laughs> Dude's a badass. For lack of a better word. Oh, but that, but but yeah, yeah. Like around seventy whips, I uh, I was splitter shy because I crappy tandy, and so I I made my whips. There's a there's a period for at least fifty whips past that where if I made you a bull whip, it was it could be up to twenty five to twenty six millimeters just for the pure fact that I didn't split bolsters, didn't split mm. kangaroo, didn't split anything because I was afraid. And and the main reason was like I could probably split some strands and I might have eventually, but I took. Well, I was so shy. But every time I split a bolster, I mean, I'm pulling out like, I also didn't know how to splice bolsters or think about splicing bolsters. So, you know, it was still like my first hundred whips, you know. So like when I would uh, cut a bolster out and I would split almost all the way down, I'd get down the last foot and it would it would it'd snap off like Steve talked about. And so it'd snap off I'm like, crap, I'm not going to cut a whole new bolster out. That's just wasted material. But I didn't hand carve everything as well as I do now, you know. And like just, I, I now use bigger material. So then I go through with the blade and whenever I'm ready, I taper it while it's already on the whip, you know. But like, you know, that would kill me when I'd split, I'd waste it. And I didn't even think about splicing. I might have spliced in, but it was like a pain. I'm like, why? Well, I don't have time to splice it. I'll just cut a new one out and pull it and I'm just, I'll take care of it later. But, but like, that's why I was splitter I'm like, it's just ruining all my time and my wood, my, my cowhide. It's like, I'm wasting, you know, Every time I destroyed a ten foot one, in my mind I'm like I'm wasting twenty bucks now or ten bucks a cow, you know. Right. So I was like, screw it, I don't need to split it, I'm done, you know. And then finally I bought an Osborne. I've seen Joe, I'm like I have to get a splitter. He was on split whips. Oh, there's a point where I'm just like, I just have to, gotta do it. Splitting strands is something I don't have pretty much. Oh, and that, that's another thing that that helped me because I I visited Joe, mm -hmm. and and I and maybe I got a splitter right before I saw him again. I can't remember, but but either way, I did have a period where I didn't want to split anything. But when I visited Joe, and he, even though it would, if he he probably could have said the same thing to me, which he did, and it was all very light, but it was also very meaningful. Being very light, even though it's said in a very light stage, it's also very deep and meaningful. That's like I said, I talked earlier about like it's just someone on a higher level versus low, it's still all the same. So he can say it and it'll resonate on a level. But you know, being able to hear him say, he's like, you need to split it just enough so that it thin, it evens out or thins the product to your desired level, but not so thin that it compromises strength and durability. Sounds very easy, right, kids? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. But uh, until I got to get with him and then like, watch him split it and so he could show me do you feel this and I'm like yeah I like ah well this is point whatever and he's like if it went a little over it 
there, if there was a problem or defect I didn't detect uh, when I was trimming the hide, like a part of a tick mark I didn't notice or something, he's like, well, it might snap because it would have compromised the strength. And he's like, so you can have it always thicker, but he's like, here's what you're trying to avoid, not getting it this thin. And after that, I had confidence to split anything because now I know like, ah, I got to feel and him show and I got to touch it. It's like, that's that's another problem. Like I, he said it to me on the phone or he texted, emailed me and I'm like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Just just enough to, to, to even it out or as thin as you need to make certain specs, but not enough to where it would be, you know, risk it. But like, it makes sense in your head, but I actually feel it for me to like have that light bulb really connect. So like, I understand now. You know, and that's where I, I fail. Like, if you can do it to me or in front of me, I can copy it, I can steal it, I can make that move work. But if I can't really feel, touch it, or have you solve my one question exactly. I that I have a problem, then yeah. I, I can't do it. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for, for Steve Townsend. Yeah. I wouldn't be here talking to you or getting to hang out with you, Nick. I wouldn't have known you if it wasn't for Steve. I wouldn't know you. Mm -hmm. If it wasn't for Steve, I wouldn't be hanging out with Adam. If it wasn't for Steve, I wouldn't be, you know... Good friends with Will Roberts today. I want to, you know, be able to talk to Luke like I have and got a whip in his hand or Anthony Longus's hand and really working out with Anthony. Well, I mean, I wouldn't be doing this. I would have got to know Paul. Wouldn't it be? I probably have never visited Dave Strain, although I would have still had a great friendship with him and got a lot more whips from him. But I never would have visited him. When I got to know Casey Ty, when I got to know a lot of these people, when I got to have so many customers that just make my day, you get to hear them talk and, 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 and call me every now and again to talk about nothing that has to do with whips at all for a half hour check up on me haven't heard from you or two cracked your whip out the other day decided to call you and say I still love it and how you been man how you doing what's new in your life Blake and I'm like oh how you doing you know you get to talk a little bit and it's like you know there's so many relationships I have like uh, it's a shout out to my man uh, Keith you know that guy named Keith and uh, he he bumped into me and I was helping him with something he had that had nothing to do with my work but since then you know we just become friends he's such a generous cool dude man and just like you know like He's talking to me and we're talking about whips and he just is like, he, he knew I like Star Wars and so he just sent me like this freaking nice po poster motif of Star Wars. Like a little cup something the Force Be With You or something. <laughs> uh, it's in my cabinet, I forget what it says. But it's like, that was so awesome. So I had a one up. I'm like, oh, well, you don't have an Adam Winters DVD yet, do you? I'm like, oh, well, I'll send you one of my <laughs> Winters DVDs that I have to sell. <laughs> you know, like, you know, it's like we started having a great friendship from then on. You know, it's like those things like that that happen that wouldn't happen if Steve didn't let me come over to his house on the only week off I get a year to learn how to make a whip. Yeah. Let me make him some of my famous dessert famous desserts. I don't make much food, but what I do do is is it's good, but it's junk. It's candy or something. God made me a baker. <laughs> and a whip maker. And the funny yeah. thing is my, my middle daughter, Ava, she wants to be a baker too and she's baked a lot. I'm like, Wow, God maybe really did make me a baker. I probably shouldn't be making whips or doing martial arts as much as I did in my life. Maybe I really just need to open a bakery shop with my nine year old and I'll change people's lives. For God. We're on a mission for God. <laughs> it's late. We're in sunglasses. It's dark. No, man. Come on, dude. Cast. You're going to quote the booze. Bro. You do it. Exactly. You knock it. You can knock it out. Let's hear it. Nail it. Can you nail it? I can. I forget what it was. That was great, though. I love that. That was the best line. It's 106 miles to Chicago. That's it. That's it. We got a full tank of gas, a half pack of cigarettes. It's dark. And we're wearing sunglasses. <laughs> Hit it. Nailed it. What a mission from God. The penguins. Great flick. That's it, man. It's 12.05, man. You still got an hour to get home before you work in the morning, right? Yeah. 
Maybe we need to wrap it up for you. Good times. Yeah. That's been a blast. That's perfect. Thank you guys for all I just want to say. Thank you, Steve and Nick. Uh, I had a, a big rush order for for a show. And man, I've, I've been working overtime and uh, my, my hands got so sore anyways, I need to take a day off. But they came out and braided a couple overlays today to help me catch up. And, and you know. So uh, I appreciate that. Thank you so much for your help. Uh, my hands feel jolly for having 24 hours off for the first time in uh, I don't know how long, but I, I, I pushed myself past my limits, but they got pushed so hard that I, it's up to my forearms and that I just had no strength. And like, I couldn't have flatted a thing today and you guys helped out so much and, and I think I'll be right tomorrow hopefully to do a little more but glad to help thank you man got yeah. experience uh, to be able to to be able to just say hey man do this work and and, and, and you guys can do it, do it so well the way you guys can and, and just thank you absolutely man yeah I enjoy thank it. you guys for being such great friends teaching me more about uh, kangaroo hide whip making because I'm trying to get into it and make sure all your hands on instruction learn a lot from you both yeah, glad to be able to uh, have the opportunity to come here and break and have fun and hang yeah. out and get some stuff done and help you out, man. Yep. Sometimes we actually get whips made. That's, right. the, that's the craziest once thing. Once in a right? while, once in a while. Once in a while, we actually finish a whip. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right, well, the monsoon is here, as you can see here outside. We've got to wrap it up. Yeah, man, I hope the volume came through on it with all oh, the rain and the air. It just started. Like this. We, we have the garage door slightly open for a breeze, and we just thought that would even add to the sound. So I hope the rain wasn't too bad. We're not in Seattle. <laughs> you'll have to you'll have to mix in riders on the storm. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, 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 yeah. out with some riders. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks so much for listening, guys. Blake, Bruce, and Steve Townsend, my good friends. Riders on the storm. <laughs> and to this world we're thrown. Like a dog without a bone.